Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest show on And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you to this episode of the show. Where tonight, for Thanksgiving Eve, I'm going to be talking about my film pick of the week, Wait Until Dark, from 1967, and directed by Terrence Young. We're not going to be joined by the Dean tonight, unfortunately, because it is Thanksgiving Eve, and as we all know, he likes to cook a whole bunch of food, so he can't join us. But we are joined by the other two comrades of the show. First up, the bold and the beautiful, the Gold Gate Keith. I can't see anything at all. The fire destroyed my eyesight, but somehow didn't destroy my face. Amazing. Sure didn't, because she's too fucking beautiful for that fire to destroy. You can't fuck with the face of America's sweetheart, Audrey Hepburn. Gotta leave that clean. The fire knew who she was. I don't know. Oh, shit, it's Audrey Hepburn. I don't know, man. I would have taken a hell of a lot more Samantha Jones. That's what I would have taken, dude. That girl was a fucking oh. smoke show. But what oh, is going on tonight, everybody? <laughs> <laughs> we will talk more about Samantha Jones and all the people that are in Wait Until Dark later on. We're also joined by the Mad Monkey, the Prince of Memorial Day. Yeah, let's get funky with it, monkey. Yeah, keep it a funky, keep it a fresh. This is the Mad Monkey broadcasting to you live from the Talking Terror Studios, where we, the Talking Terror crew, the triplets of terror, will be coming in your ears for the next two hours. We'll be talking about horror reviews, horror news, and nerd news, and all the other cool shit that makes Talking Terror the baddest podcast in all of the goddamn land. So make sure you listen live. Make sure you listen on Spotify. Make sure you listen on iTunes. Make sure you listen on Blog Talk. You know what? It really doesn't matter because it's like a bad case of the herpes. It's call it a cold sore, but we still know it's herpes. We are everywhere, baby. What's up, my family? <laughs> Hello there. Mike. I'm not like herpes. <laughs> you can be like no, herpes. No, you're more like gonorrhea. <laughs> it never goes away. <laughs> I was telling myself more like clap, you know. <laughs> well, I got the well, clap. Yeah, <laughs> Who's got the clap? I got the clap. Man, he, that guy went off the rails. Russell Brand, man, he is fucking out there nowadays. Like he believes every conspiracy theory that you throw at him. On YouTube, oh, he's always posting videos. Did you see what the government did now? Oh, man. Can't you just go back to being Albus Snow? Back when we loved you. Inside of you. Inside, Inside of you. I fucking love that. Stroke the furry walls. Stroke the furry walls. <laughs> That'd be fucking great. Such a great compliment to say, uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall. But um, so yeah, no, I, great movie. Um, but anyway, yeah, the beans not here. I got horror news, but the first thing I wanted to kick off with, since it is Thanksgiving Eve, just take a moment to you know kind of go around the room and talk about what we're thankful for. You know, we've done this before on the show and. Thought it would be a nice way to kick it off because honestly, I don't have a lot of hard news. So, figured why not we just kick it off with something kind of sweet, uh, then we'll get into what I have. But uh, first, I'm thankful for you guys, my co hosts, my brothers in arms, and my sisters that are out there, like the Diva, 
and the ghoul gal, and also Dean in California, and his lovely lady. I'm thankful for those things, and I'm thankful for being here and being able to experience cinema again back in the theaters. And for all of you guys that listen, for all you guys that commit to the Talking Terror Facebook page and the Instagram page, for Marie, who is a new fan and, and somebody that I care about a whole lot, who is very encouraging, and even though she's a fan of the Dean, I don't hold it against her. I'm so thankful for her. I mean, I, <laughs> even though she fully admits to, to missing the Dean when he's not here, and she loves it when the Dean's on, but I'm thankful for her anyway. She is great, and she's beautiful, and just all the things that I could ever possibly want, somebody that's encouraging and uplifting. Uh, and I'm just thankful for horror movies in general, just the old ones like we're going to talk about tonight and even the modern ones, although I really hate it when people say these days that they don't like old horror movies. Because if it wasn't for those old horror movies, there wouldn't be new ones. So be thankful for the ones that came before it so they can make way for the new wave of horror that we get. Whether it's elevated, whether it's just plain slashers, we're here to talk about them, and we're thankful to be able to watch them, whether it be in theaters or from the comfort of my own home. So with that being said, I'm going to pass it over to the ghoul to see what he's thankful about, and then we'll get to the monkey. Oh, yeah, you know. Yay, I love being put on the spot. Um. <laughs> hey, listen. You know what? A year ago, at this time, I was fucking dealing with COVID, and I was in a real mm-hmm. bad spot, feeling real fucking shitty, real fucking down. My body all beat the fuck up, fevers, the whole nine. All I knew, uh, you know, I wasn't going to get to see anybody for Thanksgiving. There was going to be no uh, no family get together for it on on my end. Um, my grandfather had just died in October of last year at this time. You know, a good friend of mine had died just in September. Um, you know, so I think overall I'm just thankful just to still be here to, to, to not have fucking kicked it at that time, even though I had written a complete fucking letter that had, like, you know, certain messages out to just you know, just about everybody who – you know, it's been important in my life in case something fucking went south. That's how fucking lousy I was feeling at that point. Um, you know, I'm thankful for my for my kids. I'm thankful for, for all the, the fucking, the last year has just been fucking awesome once I, I kind of came out of that. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's been cool. I found a new fucking band. I found a whole new fucking family amongst yeah. people of, of that fan base which is amazing. It's something that I never thought I'd fucking, you know, ever really be a part of. And fucking I'm full on deep on in that shit, like fucking VP anal. Um, you know, obviously <laughs> there's always you guys and, and the horror family in general. Uh, you know, and yeah, the, the Dean and the goo girl and my kids and just, yeah, again, I'm just fucking happy to be here, man. So, you know what? Hug, hug your family members. If you got them, try to bury the hatchet. You know, with, with the ones, if you are fighting with them, if there is no burying the hatchet as far as it being a figurative sense, then just stick it right the fuck in their heads. Because you know what? You might as well just That's fucking right. put them out of your misery anyway. <laughs> um, and uh, I got a couple that I'd love to do that with. But, oh, believe me, again, know. you know what, Monk? <laughs> it's all on you at point, man. So, so no pressure. <laughs> no. Well, after that, no. well, well, after after that very very heartfelt <laughs> comes that you made, and again, Ghoul, I'm sorry you had such a rough time, but I'm glad you made it through, and I'm really glad you're still here with us, brother. Um, because again, I'm thankful for you guys, uh, the Talking Terror crew, 
talking to our family. It's just like, w- without you guys, I'd be going nuts here, not having anyone that I could actually talk about twisted horror movies with, um, qu- questionable porn, um, where to buy it, where, <laughs> when not to buy it. Um, and you, you guys really mean a lot to me, just being able to get together and talk about horror in general. Um, uh, yeah, you know, again, uh, King, you know, you, my brother, is like, you know, you're, you're my fucking brother, man. Of, of, oh, of course, I'm, I'm, of course, I'm thankful for you, man. Um, and yeah, I'm just thankful for the diva and my kids, and just the fact that they're all in good health, and always thankful for Kenny Baker. You know, Kenny Baker, baddest motherfucker in all the world. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's mm-hmm. very good. Very good. You know, mm-hmm. very much appreciative too. You know, you're you're a brother to me as always. You know, mm-hmm. you know, people love to be family, as we always say. So, you know, I'm thankful for you and the many contributions that you've made to the Winchester over the years to make it the <laughs> horror museum that it is. So many things that have been contributed and added, you know, over the years to to make it the premier spot for all things horror. So, I'm thankful for well, that. The- <laughs> Yeah, well, the Winchester's awesome, man, because I can be like, this is so fucking awesome, but I can't put it in my apartment. But I can put it in the Winchester. <laughs> exactly. My, my, <laughs> wife, my yeah. wife won't let me have it. <laughs> but I can do it at Andy's place. <laughs> Got this like, what am I gonna do Michael Myers thing. Can go into Winchester? Yeah, what am I going to do with all these masks that I just bought? <laughs> I'm going to hang them on <laughs> the king's wall. <laughs> I just got all these. Don't even get me started. What am I going to do with them? Fucking. Tell you what, man. Again, with this whole uh, like, I've I've never really understood until now what like the dangers of like Etsy and and, and things like that are. Like uh, amongst this, <laughs> this, this goose community, like the amount of imagine like the imagination that is going on between the stickers and the posters and and the fucking pins and all these other creative motherfuckers that are out there, it's gonna make me broke. You know, thankfully I'm at least disguising oh, some of these purchases as like Christmas presents and shit like that for like other people. <laughs> but uh, oh, I'm but yeah, man, like, a lot of it's just like. <laughs> I just want it for myself. <laughs> no, I'm going to give it to you instead. <laughs> yeah. oh, I, I, know, I just I, want to I support the band. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to support the band in the movie. I, I, I get it. That's, I'm the same way. I was talking about it with the monkey last week about all the Black Friday sales, like Arrow Video and, and the Vinegar Syndrome and Synapse is having. I'm like, I want it all. He's like, you can't have it all, dude. I was like, I, yeah, I want I, it. Yeah. <laughs> I have to remind the king, dude, <laughs> just keep your shit rich. in check, man. Yeah, it's like, just keep your shit in check. No, <laughs> you you can probably get a DVD. But the king's like, well, I want them all. And it's like, you, okay, you can buy them all eventually, just not right now. <laughs> hey, man, I was proud of myself. Because I went to FYE today because I had to do some clothes shopping and buy some you know new shoes and things like that. Uh, I went to FYE, and I was looking at all the movies, and I'm like, oh, I want that one, and I want that one, and I want that one. And I was like, Andy, no, don't do it. Don't fall into that hole, man. That's going to be like $300. And I was like, you know what? You're right, future Andy. I'm not doing it. I'm going home. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and I was instead, proud of myself. Instead, he saved that $100 for the Laurie and Loomis 2-pack. <laughs> 
<laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. That's definitely it. Yeah. <laughs> that that <laughs> moment that Michael said. Yeah, that, that's, def, that, that's 103 purchase I'm proud to make. I can't wait for that fucking thing to come home in my collection. I was like, I don't care. I'll skip all the movies, but that fucking stuff's coming home. <laughs> I right kid you are. not. He, he already has a spot cleared on his action figure shelf for yes. that two-pack. Sure do. <laughs> he doesn't even sure have do. it yet, but he has a hallowed spot set on his action figure shelf where that fucker's going. <laughs> no, I already know. I might not even take Michael out of the box. I might just leave him in there and just put Loomis out there. I already have three different Michaels. I don't need another Michael. I just need Loomis. Goddamn two-packs. That's how they fuck you. That's how they get you. For for dude's gonna be yeah dude, yeah no it's whenever they give you those packages man yeah you got you got to watch out for that kind of shit that's always uh that's yep. always a danger <laughs> especially with the Michael two especially packs. if it's limited release too point. man because you know what you know they, oh, they yeah. limit the amount of fucking one packs they put out but that two pack they'll yeah, have they like do. you know they'll have like they'll have fifty deuces. And like only like twenty singles, so those singles disappear <laughs> lickety split, and then you're fucking forced to make that double purchase. <laughs> oh, I know it's the worst. And it's always like a shitty secondary my, character too. Yeah, <laughs> it's the one that you want. And then it, it's like I was telling the monkey the other night, or not last night, but uh, a couple weeks ago, about my Night of the Living Dead Nano Force set from Fright Rags, which I ordered back in April, and I'm not getting it until the end of January. I fucking forgot that I even ordered it until I got an email update from Freight Rags going, oh, hey, remember that thing that you bought back in April? You'll get it in January. I was like, oh, I forgot. Okay, well, cool. In January, I'm going to get an extra Christmas present from myself. <laughs> from me. Shipping concerns. Too many supply Easter chain buddy. shipping errors. Easter Bunny was late as a motherfucker on that one. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's already it's already Easter 2022. Where were you, man? Sorry, had a lot of characters. Like, God damn, man, get on the game, you know. But so yeah, not that. Yeah, I ordered. I completely forgot I ordered it until I got the email update, and I was like, oh shit, I did. Oh man. I was like, All right. Well, no, I'm gonna have to find the space for that now because I forgot at, I ordered it. At least, it. but at least you knew you ordered it instead of those times that you order drunk off Amazon and then mysterious packages show up and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> did I order that? <laughs> Oh, yeah, like the time I ordered the liquid death water, the 12 case, and I forgot I ordered it because I was drunk when I did it, and it arrived, and I was like, oh, hey, cool, water. And I was like, thank you, past Andy. You knew I was going to need hydration after a night of drinking, and now I have it. I keep forgetting that. No, because, yeah, it's a dangerous thing to have a credit card and a fucking Amazon account late at night when you're drinking. You just got to know when to turn that computer off and say, no, thank you. Go to bed. Oh, yeah, dude, I can't tell you how many times, like, I've filled up a cart, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to close the computer and decide whether or not I actually want to make that decision tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I always see you guys are smart. You have computers to do that with. See, everything for me is all right on the phone. So there's never really mm. much of a, oh, I'm going to close it and do this or that. You know what I mean? Like, I might shut the phone down. I might put it down somewhere for a couple of minutes. But no, as soon as I pick it up, it's like, hey. Hey there, big boy. Remember those 18 <laughs> items in that cart that total about $435? And I'm like, yeah, I remember exactly. I remember that. I do. Well, 
currently have $437 in your bank account. You should spend $435 on stuff right now. And I'm like, but it's Christmas, and I've got to get things for other people. And it's like, you should buy things for yourself, Keith, because only you can love you. And I'm like, no, I can't do that. I have to stop. No. And then the ghoul girl gets mad at me. She's all like, you buy yourself shit all the time when it's Christmas. You wait till the fucking holidays to buy your own yourself shit. And I'm like, no, I don't. It's just that the cool stuff comes out now. <laughs> well, also, oh, we're just... Then. Plus, we're picking the shop for, man. It's like, you know, because the diva's yeah. like, you know, you don't like anything. I'm like, no, I like lots of things. You just can't afford them. Because I, I would love a, a Honda <laughs> CB, you know, CB900, CBX900 motorcycle. But I don't see that going under the tree. You know, <laughs> I would love it. You never guy. know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to see how she's going to get up the stairs. <laughs> Closest I'm going to come is may, maybe I would find, like, a die cast, you know. <laughs> but, there you go. You well, know, listen, it's like still got it. She, she, she keeps forgetting I'm so fucking simple to shop for. Just buy every fucking Lou Reed, Prince, <laughs> and Iggy Pop album that's ever out there, and I'll be cool. <laughs> yeah, I figured that you had them all by now, but you don't even have the new one, the new Prince album that came out this year. So look at that. Christmas present right there. Get on it, Diva. <laughs> New Prince albums out. He's dead. Yeah, he's still like listening to albums like Tupac. Yeah, like she's listening to to this, this show. <laughs> she's got her ear to the ground. She's got her you know finger on the pulse. You know what you want for Christmas. Me, it's just nah, like give me another nah, Halloween nah. DVD. I already have four. <laughs> but this one's got new extras. <laughs> it does. I mean, I looked at myself today. I have four copies on the shelf. Each of them has a different extra. And I was like, this is why they're displayed. <laughs> Especially because if I ever open a video store, I can rent it. <laughs> I was like, why do I have three copies of Never the Living Dead? Oh, that's right. This one has the exclusive George Romero 2010 commentary. That's why I got it. Because he offers nothing new, but it's still George. So, going to put it on the shelf. <laughs> why do I have four copies of Halloween? Oh, because this is the one where John Carpenter was by himself doing commentary. Uh, not with Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> That's why I have it. <laughs> or this is a 4K scan. The 4K scan fucking rules. Like yes, I have to have it. Well, yeah, I know it's a problem. <laughs> but he doesn't even have a 4K <laughs> player. <laughs> I don't. But I have the 4K. I, I have a 4K player. I just have a 4K TV. That's where I fucked up. My my Blu-ray is a 4K player. Oh, I thought it was only Blu-ray. Okay. No, it's 4K. Yeah, it says it right on there. 4K. I just have a 4K TV. So. I still have the 4K uh, Blu-rays. I have the Joker. And I have, uh, you know, Halloween. I have Halloween 4. Yeah, I just don't watch them. Still in the wrappers. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I'll show them all I like a good picture just like anybody else. You know what I mean? And, like, yeah. It's all crystal clear you know and all that do. crap, man. You know, I've, I've got I've got the HDR. I've got, I've got the 4K. I've got all that. And, uh... I'll be honest, some movies it's cool, some movies it's not, you know. I, I, I always feel like that super depth of feel, field clarity of picture kind of takes 
away from the fantasy aspect of a film sometimes. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, every movie, you know, to me is always a fantasy in some way. You know, it's not, even when it's like, if it's a drama, a thriller, whatever it is, it's still a fantastical experience to be watching another world on a, tele, you know, on a TV screen or a movie theater screen. And I don't know, I think as the, the picture gets too clear, you start to kind of lose that a little bit. Oh, yeah, we, we've talked about that before, like with Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Night of the Living Dead. Like, you need to have that DVD VHS quality where it's grainy and it just doesn't look great because when it gets too clear and too crisp, you start to notice too many things. Right? It's, it's too clear, too crisp. Like, I need that grain. I need that dirt on the lens to make me really enjoy it. Especially Texas Real Chainsaw Massacre. Like, dirty. I put it in the grave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not it's made in a lab, you know, as these uh, things are, so... No, I, I, I like 4K, but uh, don't have a 4K TV. I just like to buy the movies when they come out. So if I ever get a 4K TV, I can watch it. But, like, I, I, <laughs> but they're on the shelf. I can enjoy my three other copies of Halloween. I don't have Blu-ray and DVD. And I have a VHS somewhere, too. So, yeah, I have a lot of Halloween copies. I'll just start giving them out as Christmas gifts one day when I run out of ideas. <laughs> you will never part with those. Yeah, don't ask questions. Yeah, yeah. You will never part with those DVD extras. What are you talking about? Yes, I will. Why are you lying? (laughs) I know. I know. I won't. I don't want to give my children away. No, they all have a home. They're safe. They're protected in my home. So, no, they're not going to go. It's nice (laughs) to think about gifting it to somebody who who doesn't have Halloween on DVD or VHS. Who knows? But, uh, so... All right, so let's get into some horror news for tonight. I, I do have some things I want to bring up. Uh, one of them is Timo Hanto, who you guys might not know of, but he's directed a few movies, including Kill Shot, and he also did segments for VHS 94 and VHS 2. Well, he's been tapped to direct the remake of Under Siege, the action thriller starring Steven Seagal. Okay. Which I'm, I'm excited for because, hey, listen, I love Under Siege, but yeah, I could use a reboot. could use an update. No, and even if I he gets Steven Seagal back. I want Tommy Lee Jones to come back. I want Gary Busey to come back. So we're even. <laughs> Make them come back and Gary they don't Busey. know who the hell they are. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Did we lose the goal? Well, uh-oh. Oh. We did. All right, well. Uh, he'll be back in a little going. bit. Uh, yeah, but, but yeah, you know, like they could totally recast Team with Seagal. I don't, I really don't care, but yeah, you know, Gary Bees and Tom Lee Jones, keep them there as just, you know, old fucks taking over this ship and they can just cast some young motherfucker who hasn't even been in an action movie in any way. No, you get Steven Seagal back, play his action character. But for some reason, he had no. a <laughs> That was weird. It's a gland, it's yeah, a gland problem. All of a sudden, I just started having, like, fucking a busy signal. Like, I haven't heard a busy signal in, like, ages, you know? It was like I called somebody on a fucking rotary phone or something. Odd. Well, I'm thankful for Block Talk Radio. There you go. <laughs> hey, listen, man, for the most part, we have, we have very few problems with them. You know, for, for all the complaints know, when something does come up, we really do have very, I very, I think, what, one time in the last year we actually had, like, a major yeah. issue where we couldn't get on the air. No, I kid. I kid. I, I love Block Talk. And, yeah, we've only had, like, one major problem. 
uh, in the past year, you know, compared to like some years where it was like every day, every other week was a problem. Uh, so they've been running a pretty smooth mm-hmm. ship uh, as of late. Um, so did we talk about the, the future of Lethal Weapon 5 and who's going to be directing you up after John I'm so sorry. Let me just, if I can real quick. Uh, why? Why? Yeah. Why? Why would they even be yeah. bothering, like, remaking? Why not just make a new movie with a new title? <laughs> yeah. Why does it have I to agree. be a fucking remake of Under Siege? It's like, like, listen, at that time, Steven Seagal was still a huge action star. You know, so just like, you know, in that time frame where you had Jean-Claude yeah. Van Damme and you had Steven Seagal, you know, kind of like at, at mm-hmm. one point when we had like, you know, fucking Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris and, you know, we had Rambo and um, Arnold, you know, Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, I don't know. Those are like kind of snapshots in time. And Under Siege is mm-hmm. one of those movies that it's like, you know, you look at Steven Seagal's other films, you know, Above the Law, Hard to Kill, mm-hmm. fucking, uh, oh, what was the third one? Um, the one with the fucking Jamaicans, man. Uh, shit, I can't remember the name of it right now, but it had screw face in it, man. Like, that, like they were like, they were good, but in like all of those, uh, Alpha Justice was the fourth one. Shit, I can't remember the name of the third one for, my, for the fucking life of me right now. And if the Dean was here, he'd be like, oh, it was blah, 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 blah. Um, he'd be like, this guy directed it, and this guy wrote it, and this one did this, 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 and this. And I'd be like, fucking thank you for looking at IMDb. Um, so, so, like, those movies were like, you know, they were good because it was like, oh, wow, look what this guy's doing. Oh, it looks like he's such a badass. You know, like, he doesn't look like he's, like, doing, whoa, whoa, wee, oh, like that kind of kung fu. He's just, like, smacking bitches right. around and fucking guys up and shit like that. Oh, he broke that dude's arm. But March for Under death. Siege, March for Death, thank you. <laughs> under Siege was actually, like, a good movie. You know, it, like, really was. You had yeah, Tommy Lee Jones in it. Like, it was well-performed. The action was good. The whole fucking idea of it was just, it was a great premise. And it, and it all really worked. It was, like, legitimately a good film. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I guess that's and, why... And I don't forget, you had smoking hot Eric Eliniak in that thing, man. Oh, oh man, that's God, man. The, with first, the, cake. the first blonde beaver oh. I ever saw, dude. <laughs> I've never seen that Playboy <laughs> issue. I had that Playboy issue stashed. In the basement of my fucking house in Staten Island, in the ceiling tiles in the basement. You know, like we had to fucking, we could lift the fucking ceiling tile up. Like I had slid yeah. and hid that shit. This way there was no way that like my parents were going to yeah. find it. It might still be there for all I know. Um, <laughs> it was just one of those. It was like one of those two where I walked into like the, the, the local smoke shop and was like, okay, you know what? I have to like. I have to play this right because she's too hot. I had nobody else that could buy me that fucking magazine. So I had to like play my cards, talk the game and try to act like I was a little bit older than I was. And you know what? I'm sure that motherfucker did not buy it for a second, but I think he like at least admired that I was giving it a shot because he let me buy that damn magazine. <laughs> oh, there you go. But, uh, yeah, ultimately, though, I just think they should leave that one. Like, yeah, it's, it's nothing like personal with it. I mean, I just don't think they should fucking. I, I hate when they do that. Like, and I know it's a classic to me, you know, but still, it's like <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Fucking get original, make your own shit. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't mind a continuation like you said, but like Timo Honto, I'm a huge fan of. Uh, his segment, Last Haven in uh, VHS 2, and then the subject in VHS 94, the guy's insane. Like, he fucking can go out there with his subjects and make something really fucking cool. So I'm hoping that they let him just do whatever he wants with Under Siege and really delivers just this over-the-top action thrower set piece. Because I know he's capable of doing it. Um, if you ever have a chance, watch those two VHS movies, and you'll see what he can do. They're, he's amazing. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he makes with uh, Under Siege. Um, but what I was saying earlier is that I don't know, I don't remember if uh, the Dean brought up with a Weapon 5 and the future of where it stands today. Um, but I, I did want to talk about it because uh, Mel Gibson is going to be directing hands, it. it. Yeah, Mel Gibson's going to be directing. Uh, Corey Feldman was right. Feldman was the one that said it. Yeah, if anybody's going to direct it, it's going to be Gibson, apparently, and that's who it's going to be. Donner said, if I die before I get a chance to make it, Gibson, you take over. So I was like, all right, that's fine. I don't know if I want to see Lethal Weapon 5 because I kind of didn't like Lethal Weapon 4. So, God, no. Uh-huh. Like, there's, We're family. Like, are they, <laughs> Thank you, Chris Rock, for coming in this movie. You've really added a whole lot. Thank you. Uh, oh, I don't know. Like, they can't be copying, I don't know about you guys, man, but you know what? Listen, I, I've spoken, you know, me and the dean have gone into this, like, you know, fucking ad nauseum. I know it's been brought up on the show. Like, for me, out of the, uh, the Lethal Weapon franchise, the third movie is always going to feel to me like it's the weakest one of them all. Like, out of oh, all those movies... Yeah. That is the one I go to the least. Now, you know, nowadays I might check it out every now and again, and I actually get a giggle out of the third movie because there's some real bad fucking dialogue in that film. But (laughs) for the the most part, you know, I don't know. Like, I know I, for me, Lethal Weapon 4 was the introduction to Jet Li for me, who was fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so that alone kind of makes it worth the fucking price of admission for that movie. Uh, and, yeah, you know what? Chris Rock, at that time, you know, he wasn't horrible in the film. He was still kind of, like, you know, coming up. And, you know, we had seen him, obviously, in, like, New Jack City and shit like that. But he wasn't, like, the big blown-up Chris Rock that he is now. He's, you know, he was just no. that guy that they, they plugged into the movie for some comic relief. It was better than them giving us an overabundance of an aging Joe Pesci at that time, you know, who it also kind of <laughs> yeah, wore his true. welcome after the second movie, you know, so they, they just needed to inject oh, yeah. something that had some fucking humor for it. I love the fact that, like, see, for me, the only reason I have a problem with five is four kind of wrapped things up in such a nice way. Yes, it did. You still had yeah. so much it was of that done. original yeah. cast. You had so much of that family in there. You know, there were those shots that they showed you at the end of the film during the credits, you know, and it was great because so much of that cast from the first film was still there in the fourth film. Everybody, like, it, it just felt so, like, just natural. Everybody kind yeah. of flowed together all the time. Um I'm almost afraid to see what it's going to look like now, not just because of how old everybody is, but just because it's like, you know, who's going to be replaced? Who's dead? You know, and it's like that, that kind of kind of kicks you in the gut a little bit. You know, I know Mary Trainer uh, or Ellen Trainer, you know, the, the psychiatrist, like, and again, she's like, it's just a side character in those films. But I always remember yeah. her because Riggs always fucked with her, you know, so... Like those are just like the, those little things. I think the chief, he's also he's also passed now. Um, yeah, I think he did. Yeah, I may be wrong on that. So, but for some reason, that stuck in my head that he that he was. Uh, yeah. So I mean, will I check it out? Of course I will, because I'll feel guilty if I don't. And it's a fucking Lethal Weapon movie, you know. And <laughs> Lethal Weapon is one of those first franchises that, as a kid, 
I saw in the theaters because my old man took us for his birthday. You know, and it was like it was his birthday, his pick of a movie. So there we go. We go and we go see Lethal Weapon. And I remember thinking at the time, like, oh, great. Got to go see whatever fucking movie he wants to go see, you know. Awesome. Some adult fucking shit. And then it turned out to be fucking, you know, the misadventures of Riggs and Murtaugh. That fight at the end fucking between Riggs and fucking Gary Busey was fucking, you know, uh, uh, amazing. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Getting too old for this shit. You're 41, dude. You're not. <laughs> Get over yourself, Danny Glover. 41. Not too old, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we'll see uh, if, you know, when it happens uh, with the Weapon 5. I mean, I felt the same way about Bad Boys 3. Like, I liked the first and second one, and then the third one, I was like, ah, I'm done. <laughs> it's like, this is just not, uh, it's too little too late. I guess chemistry's gone, the story's bad. I just, I was like, ah, I'll just stick with the first two. Like, the third one, just, I don't know, came too little too late. You know, they, they didn't strike with the iron This one. They'll make those movies. Mm-hmm. Well, plus they already yeah. tried to bring it back before with that, you know, the the bad television show as well. You know, so don't forget this is, you know, this is the the first time I'm trying to reinvent this and bring it back. They didn't have a bad yeah, well, TV I mean, show; they had the weapon TV show. Well, that's what he means. That's what that's what Monkey's talking about is the lethal weapon <laughs> TV series. <laughs> no bad um, you know, bad boys. I'm talking about the weapon series. I never ever could <laughs> get into, Thank you. into the into the Bad Boys franchise. Even when the first film came out, like all my friends, mm-hmm. they were all into it and everything. And I'm just like, I don't know. His camera work annoyed me. Just annoyed me. You know, like Martin Lawrence. I think of Martin Lawrence. I think House Party. You know, I think of the TV series mm-hmm. Martin. I don't think Martin of him talking dirty after Martin. dark. You know, I don't think of him as the character with Will Smith in that franchise it just doesn't it doesn't fit naturally for me i guess and i mean maybe that's part of the whole character um and we'll I, I, again something about that franchise just never never rang true for me um the lethal weapon tv series you know not for nothing it did run for a number of seasons so i do got to give them credit for at least building some kind of fan base you know so so obviously there was some some people out there i remember trying it and just being like not for me, you know, like I'm, no, for me, the real characters are those real characters. I'd rather see five. I'd rather watch three a thousand times than ever try to watch that TV series again. <laughs> yeah, I think the guy that played, like, uh, that played Riggs got in, like, a lot of fucking trouble where he just yeah. had a lot of bad things on set and they fired him and then it's like, oh, what are we going to do now? We'll bring in Sean William Scott or somebody. It's fine. Like, oh, Okay. <laughs> So it's like two and a half men all over again, where you're going to replace Charlie Sheen. That's just fine. It's going to be like the same thing, but funny. Man. Yeah, we love Ashton Kutcher, right? Right? No. <laughs> it's just great that they fired Charlie Sheen for being Charlie Sheen, who Charlie Sheen is just Charlie <laughs> on the fucking show, acting like Charlie Sheen. And that's what they seem to love, and they made so much money off of all of that. And yet, you know, as soon as something came out about Charlie Sheen being Charlie Sheen, they were all like, oh, no, you can't do that. You're off the show. <laughs> See ya. Okay. Good luck with Ashton Kutcher. Uh, yeah, I, I can't even watch that last, you know, nine through 12 seasons. It's just so bad. Well, yeah, what a, it lasted like down. three seasons. And I watched like, I think I watched maybe a little bit, if not the complete first season that Kutcher was on, then like most of that season, and I just never went back. It just it's not the same, you know. The dynamic between the characters is not there. He's just 
As much as he's Ashton Kutcher, it's just not the same as fucking Charlie Sheen doing what Charlie Sheen did for that show. <laughs> exactly. Just it's not. You know, it just, those nine seasons that he was on were great. I could watch the reruns now and still laugh my ass off. Like they're great. But as soon do. as they in, it just felt like they were just dying. You know, they were dying away. But um, so uh, moving away from Lethal Weapon Five, I want to talk a little bit about Ghostbusters Afterlife because I'm going to go see it this Friday. Haven't seen it yet. Avoided all the spoilers, but there were two things I wanted to talk about. One is that they have a new character that's replacing Slimer in this movie called Muncher, and that apparently is going to be voiced <laughs> by Mike Josh Rush. Gad. That's <laughs> Rock Muncher. He's, a, he's pretty much Slimer at the blue that I've seen in the trailers, but Josh Gad from Frozen is going to voice him, and I'm like, ah, no. I love Josh. No, thank you. I, I hate him. I hate him with such a passion because he's just so uh, fucking annoying. Every fucking interview, he's like, hey, I'm Josh Gad. <laughs> Tone it down, dude. Tone it down a little bit. You're not a cartoon character. You're a person. That's just him. That's, that's the thing. I know, I know. Me. I, I know, like, my kids knew him from uh, some cartoon, Mondo Beach or some shit like that, um, where his mm. character's name was, like, Mondo on some, some TV show, not Rocket Power, which I love that fucking cartoon. Um, yeah, I was about to okay. say Rocket Power. <laughs> I remember <laughs> there was a character named Mondo. He's some kind of, like, yeah. character on some surf-based show or something, but it, was, it wasn't Rocket Power um, or maybe some, some kind of camp show, but whatever. I, I don't know what that is. I know him. My introduction to him was not as Olaf. My introduction to Josh Gad was actually as the other lead in Book of Mormon in the original Broadway cast. So that character, that awkwardness and that zaniness and everything, when he's a Mormon missionary in Uganda, is fucking hysterical, you know, because it's just him... Mm -hmm being him and that's just kind of like who he is and that's how he comes off with everything you know I don't think it's really a put on for him I think it's just kind of the, the way he is and that's what makes him so endearing I, I, I mean I don't know about endearing I mean I, I a couple of weeks ago Pixels was on FX I put it on I was like oh I heard good things the whole 80s video game thing as soon as I saw Kevin James Adam Sandler and Josh Gad I was like nope not doing it I was like you cannot get that much fucking dumb in a fucking room Make me watch this movie. Sorry, those three guys oh. for an hour and a half? No, thank you. Now, I cannot stand any of those guys. So, no. Turn it right off. It had some fun. It was fun. It was fun. It had some fun moments. I did not hate it as much as I thought I would. But you're not wrong mm-hmm. when it comes to, yes, naming certain actors and, and who they are. Because they, again, unfortunately, that's just the nature of the business, you know? Like, for us as kids, you know, we had our Eddie Murphys. You know, we, we, we had those kind of guys, you know? For, for that next generation, yeah. it's, you know, it's fucking Kevin James. And, you know, it's fucking Paul Blart. Yeah, Chris Farley. Like that. Yeah, I mean, I had Chris Farley. <laughs> that Shortly. was my guy. Like, yeah. Kevin James for, is not For a Chris couple Farley. of fucking movies, at least. I just bought uh, yeah. Tommy Boy today. It's actually for sale in, uh, on the Xbox at four ninety nine. So I was like, fuck that. Totally oh, grabbing that shit. It. Tommy want wings. <laughs> doesn't hurt so much here or here, but right about here. Does that look okay, Richard? Yeah, no problem. <laughs> I, just, fucking, I can quote that movie all fucking day long. I love Tommy Boy. <laughs> yeah, that, that's who I grew up with, Chris Farley. Like, he was my fat guy. 
that could do, you know, somersaults and cartwheels. And a little coat. Funny as hell. (laughs) 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 Who's your favorite little rascal, Richard? Is it Alfalfa or is it Spanky? Sinner. <laughs> um, but no, what I wanted to talk about aside from Josh Gad being the voice of. <laughs> you want me to you off? What the hell kind of service is this? What kind of place is this? A recall from a fucking walkie talkie? Is there a niner in there? Yeah, no, it was a phone, <laughs> idiot. <laughs> um, but my point of talking about Josh Gad voicing Muncher is that the little Stay Puff Marshmallow Men, the little Mini Puffs, and also a lot of the ghosts are voiced by Ira Hyden, who you might remember played Will, the Wizard Master, in Part 3 of Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, uh, he actually gets a ADR voice, and basically how he got the part was that he begged Jason Reitman over and over again. I'm your friend, you're directing this movie, please, please, please. And he's like, well, I guess you could voice some of the ghosts and maybe some of the little mini puffs. Do it. All right. So when you go see that movie, Ira Hyden from Nightmare 3 is voicing those little ghosts. <laughs> so yeah, I've, uh, I've still avoided everything for it. I haven't gone to see it. Um, yep. Nope. Yeah, I'm like in a, in a fucking movie hole right now, man. It, it, like, I hate when I'm at this point because it's like, like I start sitting there saying to myself, oh, should I cancel my A-list, blah, blah, blah. I just don't have the time right now. And I'm going to be trying to go see Eternals hopefully on Saturday. You know what? I mean, the reality is I'm going to go okay. see it some way or another. Donovan is you know, <laughs> either going home Saturday or Sunday. If he chooses to go home Saturday, then, well, I'm just not going to wait to see it with him. I'm just going to go fucking see it. Um, last night in Soho, I still want to see. There's so this oh, fucking, yeah. like, I could do, do a it. whole entire day of just going to yep. see all these movies that are currently in the theater that I want to see. I know. I, I want to go see Ghostbusters on Friday, and then I might end up going to see Hasaguchi, too. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. That might be how my weekend goes, because I really want to fucking see Hasaguchi. And also Ghostbusters, so I don't know. It's going to be a weird weekend. Yeah, Zach's going to go see uh, House of Gucci on Friday, actually. Uh, Saturday. Oh, Saturday. that's cool. He's going to go see it. Oh, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Yeah, I hope so. Because yeah, it looks fucking insane. So I just I really want to see that in Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters more than anything. I, I just have to go to the theater and see it. Just to, you know, be there. I've avoided all the spoilers, too. I keep seeing them pop up. I'm like, nope, thank you. Facebook blocked this. I don't want to see, you know, did you see that scene? No, I didn't. So fuck off. Like, I'm trying to avoid any possible spoilers, and luckily I have. Um, yeah, and throughout, like, all the groups that I'm in, especially, like, the ones that are, like, you know, oh, everything 80s or this and that, it's all, like, did you cry during Ghostbusters Afterlife? If you did, we can be friends. And it's like, yep, I'm just going to keep Shut rolling up. by that shit right there. Bye. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> you know, yeah. You just get fucking angry. And then a couple of the toy companies that are releasing toys for the movie, they started spoiling, like, some things that happened in the movie. I'm like, get out of here. Get out of your head, bro. Stop fucking That's how I knew what Muncher was. You know what I mean? Like, I was hoping to, like, not see anything. I would have no idea what fucking Muncher was if it wasn't for the fact that I saw some, like, toy thing or whatever. And I'm like, oh, it's a blue Slimer. Named Muncher, and I'm like, ha, 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 Brooke Muncher, ha, ha, like, you know, fucking child, and he was like, ah, there's no way that one's fucking going over easy. And then, yeah, and then the other day, I'm laying on my couch, and I'm watching TV, and all of a sudden, the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer pops up, and I'm like, oh, they're not going to show anything, it's a TV spot. No, they showed everything, I'm like, god damn it. 
Uh, it was a TV spot. <laughs> 30 seconds. Uh, they've showed all the villains. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. You're not wrong. I mean, at this point, we've seen the majority of villains. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of shit that they're not showing. Obviously, there's the, uh, the, the whole who punched the lizard during the one sequence thing that, you know, they <laughs> yeah. edited out this one or that yeah. one. Like, so, sorry to disappoint everybody, but you know what? Obviously... You know, is there going to be a good chance that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are in this movie? Yes. Yes. There's a good yeah. chance yeah. that both of them are going to be in the film. They may not be in it for very long. They may have quick little snips, and then boom. For all we know, we're going to see them, and they're going to get killed. Um, we don't know no, beyond no. what yeah. we're going to see. <laughs> but, would be. you know, the one thing that I do know, due to how the franchise is being worked supposedly Sony and Disney have come to a deal. And Tom Holland's Spider-Man is going to slide over into the Sony Venom universe, like that whole entire thing. And in return, Mm -hmm. Disney is going to get Miles Morales. Now, when you take that into consideration, an invisible being punching the fucking lizard would make sense to be a young Spider-Man who has one of the abilities of the other Spider-Man that does it, which is invisibility. Um... You know, so yeah, is there a spoiler in there? Absolutely. It's got nothing to do with them yeah. editing out Andrew Garfield or Tobey Maguire <laughs> and Punch of the Lizard, man. You know, the other thing I thought, too, is when you look at the timing of it, that also could be just really badly edited because it happens right yeah. after Sandman, like, punches the construction thing. So it could have been that they mm-hmm. just fucking didn't edit that right, and it's just supposed to be his reaction to the construction equipment blowing up. Yeah, that was yeah. a TV spot. And I was like, ah, fucking TV spot, man. <laughs> like, that's a theatrical thing. Like, I don't want, oh, all right, well, there we go. You know, all right, you know. And then, then seeing the Green Goblin fly by going, hey, I was like, ah, fucking TV spot. <laughs> fucking TV spot. I'm a bit of a scientist, too, you know. They, they, there better be fucking memes in this movie. Like, that's the thing. Like everybody <laughs> yeah. said, there needs mm-hmm. to be a scene. If McGuire and fucking Garfield are in this movie with Holland, there needs to be a sequence yeah. where all three of them are pointing at each other. You know, that just has to happen. Because <laughs> that meme is fucking, you know, it's been around for ages, man, and it's fucking hysterical. Oh. Like, at some point, we need to get, you know, it, we, we need fucking uh, Defoe saying the scientist line again. Because that meme is fucking yeah. blown up. It's huge, you know? It's bigger than the fucking movie itself at this point. Um, it's going to be a fun... It's going to be a fun movie no matter what. You know, obviously, mm. that one is one that there's... Like, I haven't seen Eternals yet, but there's no way I am missing No Way Home. Um, I would oh, definitely that without a doubt yeah, be there for that film. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm skipping Eternals until it gets on to, like, digital... So then I'll rent it and then watch it home. But yeah, Spider-Man No Way Home, I'm watching theaters. I have to see it. And, you know, being such a fanboy of the Spider-Man cinematic universe, I have to be there, you know. And I would love it if somehow the 60s Spider-Man showed up and doing the exact same point thing with everybody else. <laughs> like, Who are you? I'm Spider-Man. <laughs> you know, you're from the 60s. <laughs> I want the Spider-Man. I want that guy that does the backflip in that fucking at that kid's party. Like he needs to be in it. The one that does the backflip and like looks like he breaks his fucking neck. The kids are all like laughing oh, at him yep. and he's like laying there fucking unconscious on the floor. <laughs> Convulsing, yeah. Oh, that was hysterical. Yeah, that's a video you have to watch if you haven't seen it. But uh but yeah, moving away from, from Ghostbusters and Spider Man, 
Uh, I know we covered Pitch Black on the show uh, a while ago, about a year or so ago. Um, and there was always talk of a Forrest Riddick movie as far as 2015. Yeah. <laughs> and nothing really came of it. Nothing really was talked about it since 2014. Well, just last week, Vin Diesel went on to Instagram with an image of Riddick, and he said, I had a great meeting today, very excited for the next chapter. So it looks like Riddick Chapter 4, Furia, is going to be happening. Don't know when, you know, but it looks like Vin Diesel is going to be moving forward. I mean, after he does, like, Fast and Furious Part 15. I think as long as he gets like 15 under his belt, you know, where they're, they're battling space aliens. I think once they do that, he's going to be like, you know what? Now we can connect Fast and the Furious with Riddick, y'all. It could be like me and Riddick. Think about that. Yeah, I was going to say, he, he's going to double bill himself so he can get two paychecks. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, my name's Riddick. Yo, my name's Dom. Let's go race cars on space. I don't know how it's going to work, but all right. We must be. We must be family. Is that a Corona? Yeah, it is. Riddick, you want a Corona? All I drink is Corona. You fury. You uh, are you fast and furious? <laughs> the fast, the fast and furious. The furious. The fast and furious. I mean, the name. The fucking names are already built in there. You know what I mean? I mean, this is fucking flow. It's real easy. It's going to happen. Oh, I, I actually kind of hope that happens now. So, oh, you can drink any galactic brew you want as long as it's a Corona. <laughs> We're family on this planet. That's right, you know, Dom. That's right, Riddick. Give me a hug. We're family. You know, special cameo oh, at the man. end. It'll be Xander Cage. You know what I mean? So fucking Vin Diesel playing a triple, triple role. He'll pop up at the end and he'll be like, villain, you know, and he'll be like, yo, I live for this shit. Ah! <laughs> yeah. And then they all start pointing at each other like the Spider-Man meme. Blob Dominic Toretto, Blob Riddick, Blob Xander Cage. Oh, shit. They're all pointing at each other. This means business. <laughs> In the background is breakdancing Vin Diesel from that video. Uh, he's just like, he's got the fucking cardboard box out and everything. He's just popping fucking locks and busting spins out. Got an afro. Oh, uh, don't forget hand shark. All right. No, we gotta get the street shark to diesel. Oh, <laughs> no, no, no! Here he comes. Oh, you gotta get street shark to diesel in there with the weather vest on. What I what I've heard is that uh, wow, yeah, street sharks. No shit, man. That would they would work really well in that fucking. If they did a movie version of that, yes, absolutely. Vin Diesel as a street shark. Holy shit. Um, what I have heard in regards to the Fast and the Furious franchise is that Vin Diesel has kind of reached out to The Rock saying that it would be an utter travesty for him to leave the franchise. So I guess there were thoughts that, you know, that Rock wasn't going to be coming back as Hobbs anymore. Um, yeah, that's what he said. Yeah, he's not going to come back. Yeah, he said he's done. Uh, I guess... Oh, I guess if Vin Diesel himself is reaching out, who knows, you know? But uh, the rock's the rock, man, and he's too busy fucking busting out his energy drinks and looking gigantic yeah, and like huge garbage. and getting ready to fucking make another title run, obviously. for I'm sure he'll show up at the Rumble to, to challenge the fucking, you know, the family. and uh, just, so he can, uh, just so he can job to him. <laughs> yeah, he's going to job to Roman. He's not going to win. He's not taking that belt from Roman. He already said he's going to job. 
if he comes back. Are you crazy? He can say that all he wants, dude. He's the Rock. They are not going to I have the Rock job to Roman Reigns, bro. Nah, the Rock he will end up coming he in. He'll take, he'll take that title. The Rock is one of the best mic men on the planet, dude. He's gonna always. I agree. He's gonna work the art of deception. He's gonna tell you this is what he's gonna do. This is what he's gonna do. This is what he's gonna do. And then he's gonna do something else entirely, just like he was fighting against the corporation the whole time. And then who did the Rock turn out to be? The corporate champ himself. You corporate know. Rock. So he does that well. That's his whole fucking blind game that he does there. Um. He'll be head of the family. I mean, I he'll, he'll, this is how we. This is how we dumb down and get rid of that whole storyline. The Rock just needs to come in, needs to squash it. He'll finish Roman Reigns off. He'll take the belt, and then they'll uh, they'll figure out a way to just migrate it off the Rock and, and give it to somebody else. Either Brock Lesnar will come in. Maybe they'll pull a tournament. You know, because the Rock is going to be too busy mm. needing to go off to actually be a champion. So. The and Black that's Adam the coming smart out thing soon. to do. That, that's the smart thing to do. King and I have talked so many times about, yeah, you know, we and you too, you know, we've talked about at a rumble, you know, The Rock needs to show up, get it back, claim head of the family, you know, and get rid of this shit and end the fucking title reign of Roman Reigns and, you know, and anything teach Reigns at least how to fucking talk on a mic instead of going, Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm just going to be here and I'm just going to be moody in the corner. Uh. He can. John Cena's around. John Cena can give him tips. Now that John Cena's gone back to Hollywood, he's like, oh, fuck. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, dog. You, you can't beat me. I'm, I'm the champ, right? Right? And they're like, yeah, well, no, you were better when John Cena was around. Because at least he gave you tips <laughs> on how to talk on the microphone. Yeah. Well, part I mean, of the problem Mm-hmm. You know, like, Roman is one of those weird characters that we, you know, again, obviously from the start, he's been shoved down as soon as he went singles. Once the shield busted up, it was, hey, this is the guy we're going to shove down your throat whether you guys want him <laughs> or not. And I'll give him credit. At least now he has built up somewhat of a fan base. Um he had none for the longest time, you know, and like, I was nope. like, hey, Vince, you know, at some point or another, you need to start fucking listening. They ain't booing. They ain't <laughs> cheering. They're just giving you no reaction. And remember, your own rule is the worst thing that could happen is them not fucking react. Um, but, like, the problem was is that, you know, with the Shield, he was the big heavy, so you did not hear from him a lot. That's what was, you know, Dean Ambrose's and Seth Rollins' job were to be the Mike guys. Um... So when he went solo, you know, you had these moments where he has to be talkative to be like the tough guy that he is, but not be a bad guy. And then you brought in Heyman. Now, Heyman works with Brock Lesnar because Brock Lesnar doesn't really speak ever. You know, when he does, it's like a couple short words. And you're like, yeah, this is why he doesn't talk. And this is why you have Paul Heyman. (laughs) The problem with having Heyman and Roman Reigns Roman talks sometimes. So it's like Heyman ends up like kind of having to take a back seat to fucking Roman. And that's what sucks because mm-hmm. Heyman is bad yeah. when he's on the microphone. Make that man talk. Yeah. Make him be the fucking mouthpiece for everything. Yeah. I completely agree. I mean, the, the latest segments that he's in, he has to like dumb it down where he's like, yeah, that's my trouble sheet. That's my trouble sheet. But that's not Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman's like, hey, sit down. Let me handle this segment. I'll take care of it. You just look tough. And I will take care of everything else, and I'll make you look fucking good. But, no, they, they have him kind of just taking a back seat to, to Roman 
promoting the whole uh, bloodline and everything like that. But it's fine, but Roman's just not good on the mic. That's the problem. And at Survivor Series, it's the 25th anniversary of the Rock debuting at Survivor Series. And no, he didn't come out. I was like, what? Wasted yeah. that opportunity. What the fuck? <laughs> it's about the you know, bill. Yeah, the egg and, yeah, the whole mysterious egg that Mr. Man has, which they dropped the money in at Raw, fucking hysterically so bad, where they found out who took it, and it was Austin Theory, who fucking should have been fired a long time ago, but no. Yeah. Uh, it should have been The Rock. Like, he should have shown up and been like, oh, I took the egg. No. Because he's probably off, you know, doing Zoa commercials That's somewhere. That's why He's busy doing fucking Black Adam right now, man. That's what he's doing. He's got that fucking, that shit, oh, I don't know, that or he's promoting Zoa. Uh, he put something up the other day. It was funny. He put up like uh, whatever his cheat meal was for like the one day of the week that he, you know, he has like, and he has this like fucking huge fucking meal, all kinds of sloppy and shit, yeah. right? Looks great. Oh, yeah. And I mean, he's yeah. the rock. You see him. He's in fucking phenomenal shape. Meanwhile, this other dude who's like this big buff guy is like, you and me, we're kind of old. You can't be eating bad like that. You got to eat healthy. Like, motherfucker, he's the rock. I get that you're a, bad, you're a badass shape dude. You're a big, muscly dude. But he's the fucking rock, dude. Don't be telling him what he can and can't do. He's obviously doing it right. Okay, he's fucking 50-something years old, 51, 52 now. And you know what? The fucking guy is ginormous, and he fucking looks great. And whether it's fucking him just working out hardcore, whether it's steroids, whatever the fuck he's using, it works for him. You know, hopefully it doesn't kill him. Yeah, it's just The Rock looks fucking phenomenal. Like, he takes pictures at the gym, you know, and, and his legs are sick and his, his body is sick. So, yeah, let him have a fucking cheat day. <laughs> let him eat whatever the fuck he wants because, obviously, it's working, like the ghoul had said. But um, yeah, I don't want to make it all about wrestling, but, you know, since the Dean's not here, we can't. Did you guys see the video I sent you of the <laughs> Seth Rollins attack on Monday Night Raw? Dude, yeah, I saw, yeah. I saw it on the news. A fan jumped out? I was like, dude, that's got to be a work. No, it's not a work. It was just a fucking guy that came out of nowhere and tried to attack Seth Rollins. Like, he just, he was mad, and he released a video where he's like, yeah, you know, I got scammed, and the guy said he was Seth Rollins, and I attacked him. I was like, I just, I love the footage of Seth Rollins getting up after the attack going, is that all you got? Is that all you got? I was like, yeah, you should have kicked him in the head. Like, like the referees yeah. came out. It was crazy. I was, yeah, well, the it's easy for him to sit there and talk all badass and shit when you got six refs and fucking a security guard holding <laughs> the guy down at that point. You know, like, I've I know. seen video footage where these guys get in the ring, and, you know, like the ghoul girl has said, it's probably like a legality thing. But the fact is, once you are over the bars, yep. you're, they have the right and ability to defend themselves. Once you go beyond where yeah. your security clearance is, you are now in illegal territory there. And there's been times where somebody has jumped in the ring and a wrestler has fucking knocked him the fuck out. Because you know what? <laughs> I'm sorry, but when you're like a fucking WWE Universe person, you know, the majority of us are fucking your standard average looking fucking people. Most of us got like little beer bellies and shit like that, you know? We're not all big, buff, humongous fucking guys. You know, these guys, for all intents and purposes, are they playing pretend? Yes. But those aren't pretend muscles on their bodies. <laughs> they are highly trained athletes who do have the ability to fuck you up if they hit you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had that video of Bret Hart when he got attacked by the fan, when he was in the ring giving the mm-hmm. speech, and they fucked him up. <laughs> Tyson Kidd and all these guys come out of nowhere and fucked that guy up. Like, don't do uh, it. Don't jump in the ring. Don't think that you can challenge these guys. 
I think I remember seeing a video win. one time. Arn Anderson like knocked somebody the fuck out who decided to like get in. And I think it was in WCW, not when he was like an active wrestler. I think it was like during that time right. frame when he was like working like a manager type angle. And, uh, and he was always, like, head of security and all that stuff. And Arn Anderson is one of those guys who, like, you know, he just doesn't look like the kind of guy you mess with. You know, he just looks legitimately like he can fucking, yeah. like, he's not like, hey, I'm going to fucking beat you up with, like, kung fu moves or skill moves or some shit like that. Nah, I'm like, I, I'm going to fuck you up, like, in the back of a bar in Texas somewhere because that's what I've been doing my entire fucking life kind of guy. Yeah. Yes, yeah, just straight up bouncer, you know, beat the shit out of you fucking shit. Roadhouse. <laughs> exactly. There we yeah. go. So, like, for the Roadhouse remake, you know, like, let's get Arn Anderson in for the fucking, what's his name role, man? Sam, Sam Waterson. Oh, I always forget. I always want to call that guy yeah, Sam, Sam Waterson, but what's his fucking name? Oh, did Sam, Sam, Sam Elliott role? Oh, yeah. Sam, Sam Elliott role, yeah. Yes. Yeah, Sam Elliott. Yeah, yeah. That should be the movie. Yeah, you know it. what? Instead of fucking the people that they're casting, I have your fucking cast right there. Give us the Miz in the Patrick Swayze role. Oh yeah, yeah. Fucking Ooh, okay. you know Arn Anderson in. in the Sam Elliott role, and boom, you got Roadhouse. I'm in it. Yeah. <laughs> or Toy Blanchard. Like that would be good too. <laughs> Both of them would make a fucking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, get one of the four horsemen in that role, and I would fucking put my tickets down right now. I mean. If, if he wants to be Johnny Cage, I'm fine with that, Miz, but you got to do the Roadhouse remake. Oh, God, that's such a great guess. Ric Flair in the Ben Gazzara role? Are you kidding me? Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. I run Again, this town. Again, that's perfect casting. <laughs> you don't run another, mister. <laughs> oh, man, that's perfect casting. You know, and just have HBK somewhere playing a bartender that doesn't know where to look because his eyes all fucked up. <laughs> What's happening? Austin. Austin is the bar owner that needs, you know, that wants these guys to come in. You know, he's just retired. Give mm-hmm. him, like, a, the handicapped role. You know what I mean? Like, his knees are busted and he's in a wheelchair or something. Or, you know what? Snow Cold could be the blind fucking guitar kid. That would be perfect. Snow Cold could be Austin behind the stage, playing like he's blind, playing a fucking guitar. Then just get Snitsky in there somewhere. Just to be one of the bodyguards gets his ass kicked by the Miz. Fucking <laughs> not my fault. <laughs> that's fantastic. All right, uh, but that's really all I had for horror news tonight. I know you know with time we got to get into the movie, so uh, let's talk about waiting until dark. Real quick, I know we're gonna get right to the movie, but did either of you guys yeah, yeah, check yeah. out the Hawkeye series at all yet? No, I have not, but I know not the first episode drought. Yes, it dropped today. The first two episodes dropped. I did watch the first episode, and I will say, so far, it's all right. <laughs> well, that's what I expected. It's Hawkeye. I had no expectations going into Hawkeye, going, that's going to be great. Look at Hawkeye. Hey, listen. Remember, we're going ex- to explore a little bit of Ronin here, okay? So it's not okay. Hawkeye, I'm prancing around like Robin Hood. It's, it's, it's the cooler Hawkeye. Hawkeye had his moments, man. Hawkeye's a human. Listen, I'm, I'm not that. we got to appreciate humanity. I'm not taking anything away. I'm just saying I'm, yeah, I'm not a fan. But never been a fan of Hawkeye. You know, <laughs> Ronin, sure, but <laughs> not Hawkeye. Like, I was glad we got those glimpses of Ronin, you know, in Infinity War. I mean, it was, it was fun. But, no, I, I want more. But, all right. So, we'll check those out. I'll try to watch those over the weekend so we can talk about it next week. Um, but all right, so with that said, let's get to Wakeful Dark from 67, directed by Terrence Young. 
um, hit you with a plot synopsis and give you my thoughts. So arriving home in New York City after a flight from Montreal, photographer Sam Hendricks is approached by a woman named Lisa who holds onto a doll that she has in her possession, which unbeknownst to Sam contains bags of heroin. Arriving home to his recently blind wife Susie, he finds that his return home is cut short when he has to be called away to Asbury Park for a photo shoot. Left alone, Susie finds herself in a fight for survival from three thugs. The smooth-talking Mike Tallman, the coolest brute Carlino, and the evil Harry Rote Jr., or Harry Senior, as we'll talk about. The three men want what she has, which she doesn't know that she has, a heroin-filled doll, and she'll do anything to fight until dawn. So I first heard about this movie back in 2000 when Bravo did their 100 Scariest Moments. Uh, there was a sequel to that. So I found a lot of movies through those series, and the number 10 spot for the original 100 Scariest Moments was Wait Until Dark. And I thought this is kind of cool. It's Alan Arkin who I knew from a lot of comedic roles, playing a villain, America's sweetheart, Audrey Hepburn. But the thing that got me was the fact that in theaters back in 67, they warned you that the last eight minutes of this movie were going to be in near-complete darkness. So they were going to turn down the exit lights, they were going to turn the lights off completely, and if you're smoking, you better not light up while this scene is happening because we want to keep it as tight as possible. I found out that Stephen King said it's one of the scariest movies he's ever seen, uh, then I watched it, and I thought, it's just a great thriller. It's a great Hitchcock movie that Hitchcock never made. There's plenty of suspense. It's slow to build, and Audrey Hepburn is just amazing to watch because she's so sweet and so innocent and so doe-eyed. I know that Lee Remick played her in the stage play, and I just can't see anybody playing this role other than Audrey Hepburn because she gives it such an innocent role. Lee Remick is very seductive and sweet at the same time, but... Audrey Hepburn, you just want to save her throughout the entire movie. You just want to comfort her and tell her it's going to be okay because everybody's fucking mean to her in this movie, even her husband Sam, kind of a dick, as we'll, we'll get into it. Um, but, yeah, I, just, I really appreciate this movie from 67. I love thrillers and suspense movies. We don't really talk about them too much on the show, but hoping we can talk about it tonight. Uh, so, Ghoul, what do you think about Wait Until Dark? Well, I mean... I don't know what movie you watch, but you want to save her. I mean, for me, man, for me, the best parts of this movie are those first couple of minutes in which we see Samantha Jones because she is so fucking strikingly hot. Um, and I quickly realized that she was not going to be our, our, our lead and she was not going to be in the film for, for very long. So that kind of kind of made me sad. And then, uh, and then the rest of the film like continued on, and I don't know. It just it felt like it just meandered everywhere, and like this this movie could not have ended fast enough for me. Um, you know, I get what you're saying, where it's a thriller, it's a Hitchcockian style film, I guess to a degree. I don't know. Hitchcock was always was smarter and was able to build tension, and this movie just could not do any of it. I felt like all of the actors in this film were all doing their own thing and it never really felt cohesive throughout the whole film. No, no. Yeah. Good opinion. All right, Monkey, what do you think about Wait Until Dark? All right, this is my first time watching it. I was really excited to check it out just because the first time I heard about this was my dad told me about this movie when I was a little kid and, you know, t- talked about the end sequence and what happened, you know, and we'll get into it when it happens, but, you know, the fact that my dad had ever watched a movie like that totally threw me off, you know, because he 
doesn't watch horror in any way, shape, or form. Um, okay, but um, and that was that. <laughs> no, sorry. I, uh, no, I, I was I was trying to test my mute to see if I was adding extra noises to the show, but apparently I wasn't. No. Um, <laughs> but but you know that's where I first heard about it, and then later I came across it like you said on the AMC list. And, um, yeah, I just really, really enjoyed this movie. Audrey Hepburn, you know, I take with a grain of salt just because I, I'm one of those people where it's like I am not an Audrey Hepburn fan. I'm not someone who's all about Breakfast at Tiffany's. Um, but, you know, she was okay. But Alan Arkin in this movie completely took everything away. Like, he completely took this movie over, in my opinion. He owned every piece of scenery that he got. Um... But then it was also interesting because when we were getting into watching this movie, I wanted the diva to sit sit down with me because we were actually covering, you know, this movie is cinema history. And it was just funny because we sit down and, you know, she's like, what's the movie this week? And I was like, wait till dark. And she's like, oh, well, I've seen this story. I was like, oh, you've seen this movie? She goes, no, I've seen this story. And I was like, what are you talking about? You've seen this story. And she said, well, back in 1998, she went to go check this, check out a, a random Broadway play that a friend of hers invited her to. And she got to see the Broadway version of this, where the role of Susie was actually played by Marissa Tomei. And then the role of Rose was played, yeah, was played by Quentin Tarantino. And she was second row center for being wow. able to check this out. <laughs> and uh, she said, well, Tarantino's, you know, role-playing wrote was passable. You know, it was nothing really, really great. You know, it's like he seemed really, really nervous because he was just sweating bullets the whole time. You know, she, she said, like, if he shook his head, you know, it would, you know, it would actually go all over the first couple rows. That, that, you know, that's how tight the theater was. But she said, that being said... Uh, she remembered Marissa Tomei doing a great job as playing the role of Susie Hendricks. She said she was really, really good in that role, and she really enjoyed that play because of her. That's awesome. Yeah, I knew that play exists. I haven't seen footage of it, but I knew that Quentin Tarantino did play Rote, and I've always wanted to hope that a video that popped up one day so I could check it out, Uh, because it was a stage play, like I said before the movie came out. Um, with Lee Remick in the role of, of Susie. Um, but it, it just going into the movie, yeah, we, we see it immediately that there's a doll being stuffed with bags of heroin. And Samantha Jones, as Lisa, has to take it. And she has other plans for it. And, you know, Samantha Jones wasn't in a lot of movies, but she's been compared to Sharon Tate in a lot of ways. And she does look a lot like Sharon Tate. Like, you can almost be like a twin uh, when you see her. Oh, yeah. Credited for five things on IMGb. I mean, I assumed with that little with that little amount, with that look that she's got. I mean, I would mm-hmm. assume she would have at least been filling in roles on television spots and everything. My guess is she probably got like either she either died or she got knocked up and married. It had to have been one or the other. No, she's still alive. I mean, she's still alive, and yeah, she did get married. Um, <clears throat> she was in a great movie called Get to Know Your Rabbits. In '72, it was a Brian De Palma film, which was like it's the last comedy. film she was in. Yeah, you know, but it was—it's still a great movie if you guys want to check out like a '70s comedy. 
That's about the film industry. And Brian De Palma playing against type of doing a comedy. Uh, she's really good in that. She plays one of the main characters in that. So compared to this movie where you only get to see her at the beginning, uh, you get to see a lot of her, you know, in that one. Um, but, you know, she disembarks and decides that she's going to give this doll to Sam Hendricks. You know, just uh, take it and uh, we'll be okay because she's meeting with this stranger wearing sunglasses, as we find out, is Harry Rhodes Jr. And she disappears, never to be seen again. The doll gets lost along the way. Nobody knows where it is. Susie doesn't know where it is. Sam doesn't know where it is. Um, but she's escorted away. We find out what happened to her. Uh, because a few days later, we get introduced to Mike Tallman, played by Richard Crenna, and Carlino, played by Jack Weston, who was in Gremlins 2, was also in Rad. You know, I know the Dean's not here. I'm sure he would point that out, that Jack Weston was in Rad. But they arrive at the apartment of who they think is Lisa's apartment. Seriously? And they discover it's... I mean, he's, mis- he's Mr. Kellerman. That's how I see that mm-hmm. guy. He's Mr. Kellerman from Dirty Dancing. He's the guy that owned the resort that they all stay <laughs> yeah, at. That's true, too. To bring it back to Patrick Swayze, <laughs> <Yeah. Louise>, you know? <laughs> yeah, bring it all the way back. He is... Yeah, I forgot that he was in Dirty Dancing. But, yeah, I just... I remember him in Gremlins, too, and also Rad, but... Yeah, yeah, also very dancing. But they arrive at this apartment, and they just they know they're going to meet up with Lisa. You know, they find a note in the door saying, you know what, make yourself comfortable. Everything's going to be cool. Like, I'll be there in a little while. So, of course, Carlino decides to grab the meat plate and cheese and make himself a sandwich while Richard <laughs> Crenna's character, Paulman, decides to touch everything in the apartment. For some reason, he has to touch everything. The door frames, you know, looking for the key to the locked closet, to the beds, to the shower caps just making his way around trying to figure out what's going on because he gets on quick that Lisa isn't here because she doesn't know how to type. So they're going to leave real quick, but that's when we get introduced to Harry Rote Jr. played by Alan Arkin, who shows up and just oozing charisma as a villain. He's vile, he's evil, he's disgusting, but he's going to be the one that is going to be the leader of this group trying to find this doll. And just the interaction with them when he sits down so casually like, oh, you know, I'm here, and then Lisa's willing to pay you handsomely for finding this doll. Let's put all our weapons down on the table, huh? And you have Carlino's like, I'm clean. He's like, I heard you're a fan of brass. He's like, put the weapon on the table. And he's like, you got something, too. <laughs> and Tallman gets out his switchblade, and he's like, oh, very nice. And when Tallman asks about his toy, he's like, oh, that's Geraldine. Who is Geraldine? And pops out that switchblade with a little statue on the end. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to get rid of her because she's the referee. <laughs> but he's in complete control. And you have Carlino the entire time going, oh, man, he's smooth. Oh, shit. This guy gets it. He's clever yeah. as shit. And see, I'm yeah, finding he's this just all so crazy. Comedic. You know, like as great as he's playing it, he's playing it like deadpan with like a with a little bit of like tongue in cheek, with like you know the the, the tone that he's going with. But Krenna's like reaction and, and the other guy's reaction, it's like I don't know, like when he says like pull out your weapons, I was expecting motherfuckers to pull out guns. You know, so so when he pulls out his straight razor and, and the other guy pulls out some brass knuckles, it's like what the fuck is wrong with these guys? Like what kind of heavy zombies? <laughs> well, they're, they're con men. You know, they, they don't work with guns. They don't work with saves either, apparently, as they talk about. You know, they're, they're, they're fists and knives of a guy. You know, they have a past with Lisa. And 
you have Rote spinning the story about how Lisa, they lost the doll and it's somewhere here, so we have to find it. And then he, you have Tolman saying, well, the closet's locked. And he's like, I checked it. It's fine. He's like, no, you know what? Uh, I want to check it anyway. And he's like, well, I don't think you should. And then all of a sudden he switches on Geraldine. He's like, get over there, fat man. And then Carlino <laughs> gets tossed the, you know, the camera, you know, stick. And then we have Richard Crenna getting the camera and a stool like he's fighting off a lion and just whipping it around over his head. The diva was saying he was coming out like a gladiator. <laughs> <laughs> but then Rope just casually sits down in the chair and drops the knife, and he's like, well, you just have to say please. Can I please have the key? Sure. Go ahead and take a look. And this is one of those moments where I, I compare it to a Hitchcock moment, where you have Tallman going into the closet, looking around, but behind him you see the body and the garment bag. And then when he spins around and he sees that Lisa's body is in that garment bag, he's like, shit, uh, Carlino, you go take a look at what's in the closet. It's so stiff. <laughs> Sorry, this is a good moment for me. <laughs> but Carlino is the first person to be like, we got to go. <laughs> We're out. Lisa's dead. We don't want anything to do with this guy. And he's like, oh, wait a second. You guys have touched everything in this apartment. Your fingerprints are everywhere. And they immediately start wiping everything down to the point where Paul is like, stop it, Carlino. We've touched everything. He's like, yeah. Even if you spent days trying to wipe your fingerprints off everything, you'll never know. There might be something left behind. So I guess you guys have to work for me now. Anyway, get that sack that I brought in. And we're going to take care of that body. And then we're going to find that doll. Like, it's just real acting so smooth the entire time. It works. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just them scrambling together. And then, again, the rope just being smooth as hell going, don't worry about it, man. We got this covered. It'll be cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's fine with it. In fact, he knows where the van is. You know, we'll drop the body off. You know, then we can come back and find, you know, where the doll is. And that's when we get introduced to Susie, played by Audrey Hepburn. You know, coming in, you know, at the moment we don't know that she's blind, but we see that she's touching things and not really aware. And, again, I love the way that it was filmed where you have the three men hiding in different quarters of the room, and she doesn't know that they're there because she's blind. <clears throat> so they start to wonder, why the fuck hasn't she noticed us yet? <laughs> she's walking right past us and she hasn't noticed that we're here <clears throat> and she calls her husband sam and of course audrey hepburn with that sweet little voice that she has is like oh aren't you proud of me sam i went to blind school today and i did very good cross my heart i'm like oh i just i love you audrey hepburn like you're so innocent and sweet like you know you just can never play anything else other than sweet <laughs> you know while sam's no, like really, yeah anyway i really can't <laughs> you know but Sam's like, yeah, not going to be home. Uh, I got tricked into trying to photograph this woman. So anyway, talk to you later. And she's like, can I meet you for coffee? Yeah, whatever. All right. Love you. Bye. <laughs> yeah, bye. <laughs> Sam, I don't know. It was a weird thing <clears throat> to have him be the husband because he's so uncaring, you know, the entire movie he, when it comes to Susie. Yeah, it's like he's the biggest fucking dick, man. It's like, you know, go to blind school and take care of this. She's like, okay, yeah. well, I got to defrost the fridge, you know. And he's like, okay, yeah. And she's like, okay, where's the plug again? He's like, don't worry, you'll find it. 
Right. You know, yeah. I mean, like, so I don't know. I look at it this way, so, right? Like, the way he treats her for this whole film, and then, you know, just to, you know, I'm, obviously we, we always bounce around during this stuff, so, like, to bounce around a little bit, it's yeah. like, you know, we come to find out that she only met him a year ago when the yep. accident happened that she went blind. You know, the, the, the fire apparently caused her to go blind. But like I said in our intro, it obviously didn't damage her face in any way. No. Um, no. But anyway, they, they obviously they met at that point when he saved her. And, you know, like they, they, they met, they married, all this and that. la di da di da da If this was a true Hitchcock-style film, there would have been that twist where you would have found out that he was involved in the accident. And yeah. that's part of why he treats her the way that he treats her. He stays with her out of guilt, and that can adds a layer to a character that is otherwise not going to really be in this film for the most part. Uh, or he would have been in on it. He would have been working with Rose exactly. or Coleman or yeah, Carlino. Yeah, it would have made more sense because of the way that he treats her. He, like, he's not very loving towards her. Like he just he makes it seem like she's just the kind of incidental thing that he has to deal with. You know, when, when she is so proud of how she does in, in blind school and how she, you know, walks around and he doesn't really give her much praise. Um, you know, like when she drops, you know, an item in the kitchen and he kind of just lamely tells her where it is. And she's like, do I really have to be the world champion blind lady? He goes, yes. Like, All right. Well, no, she doesn't have to be. Come on, Sam. <laughs> she's just recently blind. Like, give her a chance. She's trying. You know, but it's, just, it's one of those things where he just, he didn't come off as just caring. Like, he couldn't get, wait to get out of there. He's like, nope, got to go. See you. Like, yep. I mean, as I told let you, me, with me, but it'll, let be me go. Fa- it'll be faster if you don't. <laughs> <You know. laughs> and, you yeah, know, how, like just, you know, the Gullet said, like, how you defrost a fridge, you know, do it my way, use plenty of boiling water. And she's like, what if I burn my hands? He's like, I don't care. Go down to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> he tells her where the medicine is. Yeah. And then he tells her to go for a walk. He's like, yeah, go walk down to the studio and back. Practice, don't cheat. She's like, I won't. He's like, whatever. You know, and then she talks about how Gloria, the upstairs neighbor of the girl, is, you know, she's not very nice, and I think she's in love with you, and I don't really want to be around her. He's like, get over yourself. <laughs> groceries. And I think she's been stealing cigarettes. I smell cigarettes in here. He's like, whatever. We stop talking. Like, I have to go. Wait, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Wait, yeah. You know, that's something that up like once and then completely dropped. Like, it never happens again or anything, you know? But she keeps thinking that she smells cigarettes, and it's like, yeah, but he smokes in the apartment. So, of course, she's going to smell cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, because he's smoking right in there. And then he even leaves one in the ashtray that catches fire. The freaks are out. She's like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know, what am I going to do with the cigarette that's burning? It's a fire. But I love the fact that she calls the fire department and then leaves them on hold because the door is ringing, and that's when Mike Tallman shows himself to be a friend of Sam, and the guy's just on hold the entire time. And then when she picks up the phone, she's like, hello, are you still there? He's like, yeah, waiting on the address. And she's like, oh, that's fine. I'm like, that is nice service. That is 1967. <laughs> fire department service. They waited. Can you imagine the guy on the other line going, oh, she'll come back. I'm going to wait like another <laughs> 10 minutes before I hang up, and then I'm going to go because she might come back on this line and tell me where she is. But, no, it's fine because it, the plan is for Mike Tallman to come in as the suave, smooth-talking friend of the Sam's, and he is really good in this role. Like, I give Richard Crenna a lot of credit. 
to play this guy who's very friendly to her, but also knowing that he's looking for that doll. Like, he's not there for her. But I think even he kind of fell for her a little bit at one point, because even when he's talking to Carlino, he's like, there's just something about her, man. I don't know. Like, she's so sweet. Like that she's smart, you know? Like, she's picking up on, like, little things that, you know, the, the average person won't. She notices Rhodes' squeaky shoe. She notices that people mm-hmm. have been messing with the blinds the entire time. And, again, it's like, you know, like, she's playing this whole thing where it's like, okay, have you been blind your whole life or have you only been blind a year? Because at this point, with the way you're going about certain things, it's like you're fucking daredevil, lady. Like, I was waiting for her to, like, pull some kind of, like, fucking sonar shit. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he has all the information to tell her so that she'll be convinced. But to me, like, Susie just seems like one of those people that's just very trusting of people. Like, she's kind of, like he says at the end, how you act like you're in kindergarten, but you're a grown woman. Because she doesn't want people to be mean to each other. She just likes everybody and is very trusting. And it's like, you shouldn't be trusting of people. Like, he even says at the end, like, there's some very mean people out there. And you're willing to welcome in anybody if they tell you the right things. Like, because she becomes very close with Mike. And she's like, oh, won't you stay? Won't you stay just a couple days? Attention. And he's like, I guess. Um, But speaking of Gloria Who was upstairs, the little girl You know, where the mom's out of town Getting Chinese finger cuffs somewhere And the father's out of town You know, because And she comes in And it's, oh, the $5 is on the counter With the the shopping list I'm like, oh man, 1967 $5 for a shopping list Must be nice yeah, but also Gloria is like that. You walked in. I thought that was a boy in a fucking wig. <laughs> like, I'm like, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I was it like, is. oh my god, that, that is the most managed-looking girl I've ever seen. <laughs> and it's the whole thing of you know she gets made fun of because she wears glasses, and so she tells her uh, Susie tells her about the fridge. You know, oh, it has to defrost. So she's like, well, just hit the defrost button, it'll be fine. No, we have to do it Sam's way. Did you close the door? <laughs> yes. I, I didn't hear it close. Gloria is a little well, bitch. No, I didn't. She's so <laughs> fucking little bitch. Especially when she has a little tantrum, you know, where, where she makes fun of her a little bit, and then all of a sudden she starts smashing all the things on the floor. Like, what the hell, man? Dude, <laughs> like, she yeah, does right. that. That whole sequence occurred. I, I'm sitting there like, what the fuck even just happened? You know, and then she's like, yeah, you called me a name or whatever. And I'm like sitting there thinking to myself, <laughs> Man, I will tell you what, you're some you're the fucking neighbor's fucking kid and you have the balls to sit there and throw my shit all over the fucking place and then on top of it though, Susie's the one apologizing. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, and then she's like, Oh, I'm I'm sorry I do the things that I do. You're just so pretty and she's like, Really? Do you really think I'm pretty? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> stop it, all Jepper. Stop being cute for a second. Smack her across the face and tell her to get my groceries. Yeah. You know, instead, she's like, it's okay, go hug. We'll be fine. No, this is 1960s New York. You sit there and give her an old school Sean Connery James Bond smack right across that fucking face. If we're acting like that. That's fear. That's true, too. That's what you should that daredevil shit. <laughs> yeah. Come here, come here, let me give you a hug. Wham! All right, that's racking up. <laughs> but I, I like the fact that when Mike comes in and he gives her the whole spiel about being friends with Sam, 
And then he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take off. I'll, I'll be back. But you know what? It's, it's fine. So when he leaves, all of a sudden you have Harry Rote dressed up like Harry Rote Sr. Oh, oh, oh my God. Hey, let me get through here. Let me get through here, young one. Hey, I, I'm, I'm mad and I'm pissed. You know, my son's been through here. I'm looking for She's like, what are you doing? <laughs> she's just cowering in the corner. No, I'm going to get him. Yeah, and stealing the photo of her from her wedding day. I found it. I found what I needed to go. I'll see you later. And she's like, oh, my God, I wish Mike were here. And then he comes walking right back in. Didn't no, just but, but then we got, but then we got to go back to a room being committed to his fucking roles for dressing oh, yeah. up as someone else in a blind person's yeah. apartment. <laughs> Fully in the in the wig and the mustache and doing the voice, and then when he walks out of the apartment, Paulman's standing there and he goes, "Don't touch me," <laughs> and he walks away. And, <laughs> Mike immediately goes running back in going, hey, I, I, I forgot a package. And she's like, oh, my God, Mike. Oh, my God. This guy came in. And he was so mean, and he wanted to. He's like, oh, let's call the cops. Uh, yeah, I'm going to get on the phone here. Dude, 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 dude. Hello, police? Yeah, you need to come here real quick. Uh, this woman's house is broken into by a crazy man. And then in comes Carlino. He's like, hey. I'm just going to be wiping things the entire time I'm talking. Don't worry about me. No, nope. I'm just going to be wiping down everything. <laughs> I think this is probably still here. You said he broke in? That's crazy. I'll be back, probably. <laughs> the con game that they're running is just so amazing. The fact that she's just completely confused the entire time of what's going on. Like, what the hell was that, Mike? I don't know. Well, Got to let the police do what they have to do. And find out what's going on. Like it's just it's it's kind of crazy, right? It is. I just want to know, Mike. I wish you would protect me. And he's like, I'll be here for you. And then you have Ro putting on another costume, coming in as Harry Rose Jr. He's like, hey, so my my father might have been through here. Well, it turns out he was looking for Sam Hunt, a photographer, and uh, I have a good authority that my wife, you know, Mrs. Rose, was uh, on vacation and met with Sam Hunt, and they had some kind of an affair, and Tallman's like, oh, really? What are you talking about? He goes, oh, whatever. <laughs> anyway, so I don't know what's going on, but something's happening, and so this woman's being barraged by these people over and over again. Yes, once again, Harry Road has another costume on. Perfect wig, perfect mustache, glasses, <laughs> committed to this role. Because he's an actor. Uh, no. <laughs> But after, yeah, uh, I mean, these, these are all things that, like, they set up, like, you know, even just in general, like, you know, when they had Mike and Carmino, whatever his name is, like, wrap up the body, and he's like, yeah, I'm going to dispose it here, and he's like, yeah, it's going to be found, and he's like, I know it will, and the only thing that'll be found is that she's Mrs. Rote, you know, whatever, from Scarsdale, and it's like, like, this whole thing is like this <laughs> big, long game. Just to get this fucking doll that, you know, for all intents and purposes, should have been really easy to get. You would think so, but but the thing is that Susie and Sam don't know what the fuck happened to it. Sam brought it home, and it just disappeared. They talk about the safe that's in this apartment, and they're like, check the safe, check the safe. And she's like, I don't have the key. It belonged to the person who lived in the apartment before us. I don't know where it is. You guys keep asking about this fucking safe. I don't know. And like, no, you have to have the key somewhere. And you say, I really don't. <laughs> I don't have the key. I don't know where the doll is. And then Mike turns off the charm a little bit, and he's like, oh, well, 
you know what happened to that woman that they found? Maybe Sam did it. And Susie's like, oh, my God. No, no, Sam couldn't have killed her. No. No, he's not a murderer. Not Sam. I mean, he couldn't have done it. <laughs> not my Sam. <laughs> and Tom is like, no, no, no. Uh, I think he did. I think he might have. And uh, I think we need to find that doll. I think we need to go find out where it is. And then you have them searching you know the what? entire apartment where Coleman's crouching in the under, you know, pass over the stairs. Did you find it? No. <laughs> you know what's funny about Krenna? She's playing the exact same character I have seen him play in everything that I know him from, whether it's Hot Shots, whether it's, you know, the, the Rambo series or whatever. Like, he's playing yeah. it exactly mm-hmm. the same. And yet, somehow it works. You know, like, he's probably the one... Him and Alan Arkin's characters are, like, the only two characters that I kind of enjoyed in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, Fred Weston, yeah. as as Carlino, was just there to be the oaf. He was everybody the idiot. <laughs> you know, there, there was really nothing for him to do. Because you're, you're constantly watching uh, Tallman and Rote. And Carlino is just kind of in the background, you know, as a disgrace sergeant you know, doing his job at trying to find this doll. Um, because this is when you have Tallman telling her that there's a cop car outside. There's two people in that cop car, and they're watching your apartment. Oh, I don't know. This is bad. This is, this is really bad. And she's like, oh, what do they look like? And he's like, I can't tell. Sitting in that car. This is just cool. <laughs> so Susie, just tell me where the doll is. And she's like, oh, Sam, I, I, just, I want my husband back, and he's innocent. I don't know where the doll is. And he's like, all right, well, go fuck yourself then. I'm leaving. All right. I thought you would stay with me. He's like, nah, I'm cool. I'm just going to take off. Uh, so see ya. And she's like, well, can I call you? What's your number? He's like, oh, God, you're so clingy. I don't, I don't know. I, I, what, 800? I don't know. Sexy. <laughs> yeah. You know, don't call him now to talk to hot guys. <laughs> yeah. Call him now to talk to dolls. We'll ask you where the doll is. <laughs> um, he, he gives her finally the phone booth number, you know, because he doesn't think that she's going to really catch on to that, even though she's already caught on to the blinds about why it's constantly moving the blinds in dark in the winter and the fact that there's a squeaky shoes on the stairs. So she's caught on all of it. Like she, she's figuring it out since she's not there yet. So, yeah, I'll give her the phone booth number. But then when Gloria comes back to return the doll where she found it, she's, oh, Gloria, you have the doll? She's like, yeah, I just borrowed it because you're a bitch and I don't know. Like, <laughs> and because I'm a fucking brat and I obviously steal shit from your apartment and I obviously destroy shit from your apartment because, you know, my parents are fucking absentee parents and I'm probably going to be hooking on the corner <laughs> in a couple fucking years. Good luck with that, baby. <laughs> but she comes with a plan for Gloria to go sit in her apartment because Gloria could see the phone booth from across the way. So if you see a man enter the phone booth, call me, ring me twice, and then hang up so I'll know that there's something going on. You know, in the meantime, I'll try to figure out what's going on here because Carlino is back, and he's wandering around the apartment, and she's, Susie's trying to say that some people broke her window, you know, and, and take a look around. Um, and Carlino comes up empty, and then he eventually leaves. So that's when she calls down to the phone booth because they have that moment where she's like, well, I'll call the police. Like, I'll call your precinct. He's like, no, no, no. Like, I'll take care of it. Like, let me call. Let me let me call down, and, and we'll be fine. I'll, <laughs> I'll get just call faster. real quick. <laughs> <laughs> and then, 
we see, you know, Tallman entering the phone booth, and she wants to talk to Harry Rowe Jr. Oh, yep, sure, get him right away. Rowe, it's up to you. And then you have, you know, Rowe coming out of the van to, to talk on the phone. So that's when we get her calling Susie twice. Oh, well, I guess it was the wrong number because they didn't really need me. Um, but we have Carlino weaving and Susie realizing that she has the doll, still trusting Mike, still thinking that he's on her side. So she's going to call him and say, come back. I found the doll. Everything's going to work out. Everything's going to be fine. Like, Are you sure, Mike? Is everything going to be fine? Yep. Yep. I'll <laughs> run over if I have to. I'll run right over. Like, you know, and then we have the two rings on the phone, which again, to me, is a very Hitchcock moment in the movie where she realizes that Tallman is the one that's on the phone booth phone and that he's bum, in bum, on it. Bum. And she has that moment where she's like, Mike, oh, my God, Mike's a part of it. Oh, my God. Like, you know, it's, oh, I don't know. No. I liked it. You know, it's just the yeah. fact that, you know, she's upset about it. Yeah, go ahead, Mikey. Yeah, and the thing is that during these moments, and especially this moment right here, when we sh- she has her panicky moment, that's when I realized how many long shots they've been doing through this movie. They don't do a lot of quick shots, man. It's been a, a lot no. of panning and following around, you know. So, you know, it, it, but during this breakdown moment is when I realized, you know, it like goes on for like five minutes with just one straight shot. Yeah, it does. And, and, and it's very... It's very stage-like, the way that they, they film a lot of their shots. Like, it's almost like a stage performance, the way that they film a lot of, of shots of the door and of the, the kitchen and the main area of the home. Um, but when she calls back to Sam and realizes who it is and he comes in, you know, saying, all right, you know, uh, where's the doll, Susie? You know, let's go find it. And she's like, oh, the craziest thing. Oh, man, like, it, it's not here. <laughs> oh, wow. Like, it's, it's crazy, right? And we see Carlino and Harry Rote in the door, and we see Rote cut the phone wire as she's talking to Mike. And, well, I think the doll is in Sam's studio. It's only two blocks away. Uh, you know, I, I can go real quick and get it if you want. Uh, don't worry about it. You know, we'll go. Are you sure it's there? Oh, yeah, yeah, Gloria saw it there. Go, go, and, and you'll find it, and everything is going to be fine. But what she doesn't realize is that Carlino has already locked the door from the outside, so she can't get out. And there is no back door to this apartment, so she's fucked. Nope. Like, she, she's in a prison cell, essentially, where she's not going to be able to get out. She doesn't know that she can't get out, but she knows that she's screwed because they, she has the doll in her possession, but they're going to go off, so it's buying her time at this point. And she had told Gloria to bang on the pipes if she needs them, or Susie, and that's when we get the whole thing of, hey, Gloria, go to the bus station and just wait for every Asbury Park bus that comes through. Eventually, one of those buses <laughs> has to have Sam on it. And this that was funny, too. Yeah. If you had the subtitles on, it was Asbury spelled A-S-H. Ashbury. 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 Uh-huh. Yeah, because I watched it with subtitles. Because yeah. I, I watched them last time. So, yeah, it was Ashbury, not Asbury. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was like, yeah, shut up, Ashbury. <laughs> And that was one of those things where the demon was like, why did she just tell uh, Gloria to go upstairs and call the cops? <laughs> yeah, no. She's like, no, I need you to go meet my husband. I need you to go do that because I'm going to stay here in case anything happens. Like, it, it's such a weird plan. Um, I love Carlino outside of the house 
blocking Gloria from weaving. And she's like, I'm just selling Girl Scout cookies. I need the Polish. And he's like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I don't want any. Okay, well, I guess I'm going to have to go find out where else I can get these points. <laughs> fuck off, kid. And, <laughs> and then she does the obnoxious kid thing of knocking the umbrella along with the fucking post <laughs> yeah. the whole way. Yeah. And, you know, I know this well because that's the kind of shit I used to do as a kid in New York, too. <laughs> but, she, but she was being smart because she was, she was doing it so that Susie knew that she was walking away. Yeah, she was echolocating her. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, she was doing the daredevil thing. So it makes it, you know, because at this point, she decides that she's going to break every light in the department. Sorry. <laughs> she's going to break every light in the department. She's going to break the hallway lights. She's going to break every light in the apartment, except for the, the one light that's in, the, you know, the uh, photography studio. That's going to be the only light that exists, you know, because she wants it to be dark as possible. When these guys come back, because she knows they're going to come back, they're going to find out that the doll isn't at the studio. And Tallman's the first one to return, and he's like, "All right, you know, go, if Carlino, go ahead, go with Rote, and we just take care of him, kill him. Like, we we don't want him around anymore. So go ahead, Carlino. He's going to bring the car to the parking lot. You go take care of him. I'll take care of Susie. And when he comes back in." That's when he confronts Susie and goes, just give me the fucking doll already. Like, stop fucking around. No, I won't give you the doll. I won't. I won't tell you where it is. And you stop being a fucking kid. Stop acting like the world's innocent. There are bad people in this world. And I'm one of those bad people. And she's like, I'm still not giving you the doll. And he's like, well, fuck it. All right. So I'm going to take off. Fine. Like, you win. <laughs> You know, I, I don't really care. Like, it's fine. Okay. She's like, what's going to happen to Rote? fucking bad guy. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and she's like, well, Rote's the evil one. What's going to happen to him? And he's like, don't worry. Yeah, Carlino's going to kill him. We're going to be fine. We don't need him anymore. And then we see Carlino walking in the parking lot and get run over by the fucking van. Over and fucking <laughs> over again. Well, it's Rote. supposed to be Rote getting run over by the van. What we, what we hear is that, you know, Rote's going to be taken care of because Rote was a really bad man. And, you know, he didn't like yeah. it very much. So, you know, the idea is that it's like, and this is one of those where, you know what, it's 2021. We've seen these things in a thousand movies. Maybe in 1967, <laughs> yeah. this is going to come off as a big shock that it's not Rote getting run over. But, you know, again, like, you know, I'm watching this going, well, there's no way that's Rote because Rote was just way too colorful of a character to get taken out that way. It was still a fun scene, yeah. though. Yeah. It's not even that, but I, you can see the fedora that, that Carlino is wearing, you know, as the car's running him over. It's like, well, clearly Carlino. You see the fedora, you know, go flying up as he's getting hit. So you know it's Rote that they control. So, again, like the girl said, in 67, you might have been like, oh, maybe that is Rote. You know, maybe Carlino is in charge. But I don't know. Seeing that fucking fedora fly up, look, it's obviously Carlino. Like, he obviously met his end. While Tallman's inside with, with Susie going, all right, you know what? I really like you, and I guess I'm going to go. So, all right, Susie, you do you. I'll do me. But anyway, I just have one more, and that's when he gets stabbed in the back, oh. I wrote. Body oh, goes no. crum- crumbling down the stairs. And the Rote referee showed up. The <laughs> Rote immediately shuts the door, and then he puts a chain over it with a fucking lock on it. So she's definitely 
not leaving this apartment. The combination lock, I lost it. I, was, I laughed a little bit because he made it a point to put a combination lock on the door. So there's just no way you're going to be able to open it. There's a ways. And we'll yeah, see it looks like a bike open. lock. That's what it looked like. I just automatically think of the scene from a Bronx tale. You know what I mean? Now you can't leave. <laughs> yep. But now we have Rote versus Susie in this apartment, and she doesn't know what's going on. You know, all she knows is that Tallman's apparently out of the picture. Um, you know, and Rote puts a chain on the door. He walks down and starts pouring gasoline all over the apartment. And at first, Susie doesn't know what's going on until she starts sniffing the air and goes, gasoline? Shit. And that's when Rote takes <laughs> off his I love Rope oh, taking no. off his boots. That's my boots. kryptonite, not gasoline. <laughs> yeah. You felt my only weakness, Rope, gasoline. But, you know, he kicks off his boots because they're squeaky, and he doesn't want her to hear where he is. And as she's trying to figure out where he is, he's like, well, Susan, she's like, stop it! You know, has the, you know, <laughs> the, the cane in her hand, you know, to try to fight <laughs> off, you know, Rope. <laughs> you know? And, he, and he's kind of just having fun at this point. You know, he's having yeah. fun in this whole thing of, of confronting her and saying, it's over, give me the doll. It's all over. Like, you have no choice but to give me this doll. So give it up, make it easy, and it'll be over because it's just you need to do this. So she had previously put a, a solution, a chemical solution in the planter, throws it at Rose, and runs over to that glass <laughs> light over by the soccer station. Don't touch that! And he immediately throws Geraldine at the light, and the lights go off. And then we hear the struggle. Susie says, I got your knife, Mr. Rode. Oh, yeah? <laughs> oh, I got matches. <laughs> and he's immediately lighting matches to see in the darkness. And I, I would love to have been in the theaters back in 1967 to see this movie, to see it in a completely dark theater, having those scenes play out where it's complete darkness, and then it's being lit only by a match. And then the match yeah. goes out, and you're in complete darkness again. It would have been so fucking gnarly to go see this in theaters when it happened that way. But we have Rote with his matches. We have Susie has a knife. And she gets the upper hand by grabbing the gasoline can. She's like, oh, yeah, I got gas, too. It's your trip that I tell you, Mr. Rote. Like, oh, put that down. Put that down. Put it away. Stop it. Right. I out. guess it's you out. can't it's use out. your matches now, can you? <laughs> <laughs> And I love when he's screaming at her, it's out, it's out, it's out. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Let's just fucking sit here for a second and think about what we're going to do next. Like, it's, it's going to be fine. So she thinks that she has the upper hand because all the light bulbs are out and she has the matches. But what she forgot to remember is the light in the refrigerator. Which well, of course she forgot it. To she didn't remember it if she forgot it. Well, she forgot to remember. <laughs> well, she forgot to put it out because obviously she fucked up because that's what he uses to his advantage. Um, mm-hmm. He's taking that light and using it. And I love how he puts the rag in the door jam to keep the door open because it's going to be one of those things where if she tries to come back and close it, it's not going to be able to be closed. She's not going to notice there's a rag in the door jam. So I'll just keep it open. And that's when he's like, oh, it's all over, Susie. All over for you. I guess uh, we're just going to have to take care of this now, me and you. And I, just, I love the moment where he grabs the cane that she's been using and puts it around her neck to grab her down the stairs. 
Down, sit down, like, down. Like, you fuck with Audrey Hepburn. <laughs> you know, wrapping a, a cane around her neck and dragging her down the stairs. And that was one of those things where Alan Arkin later said why he wasn't nominated for an Oscar. He's like, you don't get an Oscar for being mean Audrey Hepburn. So, it's true. <laughs> he's very nasty in this moment where he grabs the cane, puts it on the neck, and guides her down the stairs. And she's like, I'm fine. I'll tell you where, where it is. I'll tell you where the doll is. <laughs> okay, great. She gets the doll, gives it to him, and he starts breaking out the heroin bags, whistling the entire time, having a good time. And he's like, all right, got my heroin. Hey, you know what? Let's go to the bedroom. Like, oh, you're going to fucking rape her? Oh, shit, bro. Yeah, I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, let's go to the I, You said you weren't going to hurt me. No, I had my fingers crossed the entire time. <laughs> okay, so we're going into that kind of portion of the movie. But Susie got the upper hand because she got a kitchen knife and jabs him in the chest and just plunges it right into her chest where it's like, oh, shit, like, you know. And I just I love that sequence where he's on the ground struggling to get the knife out, and Susie's like, okay, now's my chance. I'm going to rip open that door and, you know, help because apparently there's no neighbors in this apartment. It's just Gloria. Apparently and not. Mother and father. <laughs> There's just nobody, because the guy that's in the apartment went on vacation. We do have the one guy that went on skiing who likes to growl at his skis or something. He's like, arr, arr. I didn't get that, but he's having fun. <laughs> There's nobody in this apartment. And it leads to one of my favorite jump scares that's completely earned in this movie. When she comes yeah. running back down the stairs. And you have Rote jumping out of the darkness and grabbing at her ankle and just trying to grab at her while she's running towards the kitchen, towards that fridge. And you have Rote on the ground using the knife to propel himself on the ground to get to yeah, Susie but, any way possible. But, dude, it's also not just that jump, man. It's the fact that it was like a lunge. You know, he literally jumps all the way across the screen. Yeah. Oh, it, it was, you know, it, it wasn't was just a you know, dramatic jump. If they would have edited yeah. that better, I think it would have been a more effective jump scare um, because it kind of comes off as a little bit corny looking because it's the, the the reality behind what gravity does when somebody jumps is clearly an effect in this, you know? So so the realism of it kind of, for me, took it, it kind of like dumbed it down just a little bit. But yeah, it was definitely an effective moment. Yeah, because jump scares are so hard to come by in horror movies. Sometimes you can expect them. Sometimes they come with a sting. Sometimes they don't. But, you know, the Harry Mancini, you know, the Henry Mancini, I should say, who, who did the, the Pink Panther soundtrack, that did the, the soundtrack for this movie, it was earned. That complete crash of sound as he grabs her, and she runs into the kitchen trying to close that, kitchen, that refrigerator door, and she can't because she doesn't know that the cloth is in between the jam. And him crawling towards her the entire time, knowing that that plug is behind that refrigerator that Santa told her about. Like, where is it? Oh, God, where is it? Like, you're just scrambling for that plug until she gets it and screams fucking bloody murder. And that's when you have the cops arriving with Sam busting down this plywood door. I just, I, doors don't open like that. <laughs> they knock it down like it was particle board when they had to get in. And they find Palman's body, and the one cop goes, don't even bother. Like, well, no, you should probably bother, because he was just stabbed in the back. He's probably going to live. 
<laughs> you know, it, it wasn't a death, you know, set. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. We're not going to worry about that. There's a fat guy laying outside that got ran over in a parking lot. We didn't care about that guy either. So. And Sam running in, and they're asking him if he knows the guy that's laying in the in the kitchen. No, I don't know. I just got to find, find Susie. Susie. Maybe she's in the kitchen. Maybe she's in the bathroom. Maybe I don't know. You know, putting light bulbs back into, you know, the lamps. And that's when Gloria runs in. She's like, look, there she is. And Susie closing the refrigerator door going, oh, my God. I've been through a lot. And Sam's like, come here. Come here, Susie. Yeah. Dude. Like, dude, she's been through so much. Just run over to her and hug her, kiss her. You know? Yeah. Oh, my God. I don't know. (laughs) Survey the situation. You are your house is fucked up, and there's dead bodies all over the fucking place. Your wife is alive. You should be running over there and hugging and kissing her and making sure she's okay. You know, but no. It's, instead, it's just fucked up. Come here. Come here. You you can make it. Yeah, because Gloria runs over to her and Gloria's yeah, like, oh, my God, you're so alive. rolling her like a dog. Yeah. <laughs> come. Come, Susie. Come. And he's like, oh. Sam, where are you? I'm blind. I can't see you. And he's like, I'm right here, baby. Like, dude, no. That's, you know, Gloria was the one that jumped in. She's like, let me give you a hug. Like, I'm surprised Sam didn't like, get away from her, you bitch. Like, what are you doing, Aliens too right now? <laughs> yeah, he was so just unaffectively caring the entire time. Like, if your wife just survived this entire night of horror, like, you think you would run over to her and be like, I'm so sorry I was away. I love you. Give me a kiss. No. Come. Yeah. Susie, come. Like, what? Yeah. Right now, Sam? I mean, are you going to do blind school with me right now? I got to do deal. Yeah. But, <laughs> then, but then she comes to him and they, they hug and they kiss. And she's like, you know, hey, look at me. I'm, you know, world champion blind person. You know, she should have said it with a smart-ass comment being like, look at me, asshole. World champion blind person. Look at, look at now, the shit bitch. that I just fucking did. <laughs> yeah, how was Asbury I could have went with you. Instead, I got accosted by three fucking men. <laughs> you know? Like, that guy owes her a lot. Or maybe get her for a dinner or something. But, you know, I, I don't know. Like, you know, Ephraim Zambalas Jr., who played Sam, he did the voice of Alfred in the Batman animated series. Like, that's his claim to fame. You know, that he was that ah, voice, okay. but in this movie, it's like, dude, give me a fucking break, dude. The entire time, you can't get away from her fast enough, you know? And in the end, <laughs> you know, when she's trembling, like any of us with our significant others would be running over to them going, I'm so sorry I wasn't here. Like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> to end it with that. I was like, she should have been like, you know what? I don't think I'm good with you, Sam. I think we need to see other people. <laughs> wink, wink. So, uh-huh. I mean, for, the for other all of people. its intents and purposes, you know, <laughs> obviously Audrey Hepburn's performance in this, and, you know, like, I'm one of those where when you have an actor or an actress who decides to take on a role of, like, this kind of nature, you know, I'm always, you know, suspicious right off the bat of, like, saying, okay, you want an award, you know, this, this, this is why you're doing this. Tom Hanks in Philadelphia. Right. I mean, you know, like, we, mm-hmm. we've seen this done... You know, at this point in our lives, we've seen it plenty. 
I'm sure back then it was yeah. like, oh, wow, she's taking on such a difficult and hard role. Well, I mean, she kind of had to for this year. She does get nominated for Best Actress for this role. She doesn't win. She did. But that's because she comes up nope. against Katherine Hepburn, and guess who's coming to dinner? Freaking Anne Bancroft as Mrs. Robinson in The Graduate. Faye Dunaway as yep. Bonnie Parker and Bonnie and Clyde, and Edith <laughs> Evans as Maggie Ross and the Whispers. Like, you couldn't have had a worse year to try to, like, come off with a fucking Best Actress nomination. Like, all of them were fantastic. <laughs> well, yeah. It's just the, the fact that Mel Ferrer, he produced this movie. He was married to Audrey Hepburn at the time. This was the movie that was going to try to save their marriage. Like, they agreed to do this movie so that it could save their marriage because she didn't want to do a horror movie. She didn't want to do a thriller. Like, she wanted to do the movies that she was akin to. And Mel was like, well, no, we've got to do this movie. It's a famous stage play. It'll make it famous even more so. And, yeah, their marriage ended a year later. Just wasn't going to happen. <laughs> she didn't win that no, award. Was, you know, she she, no. she had not won one. You know, she's only won one in her entire career, and that was uh, that was early. You know, so that was uh, fifty four. Yeah, Roman Holiday. Yeah, and it was a, a thing of she would end up going back to work with uh, uh, Terrence Young and Bloodline in seventy nine. It's it's a thriller again. More around the uh, crime uh, way, and Ben Gazar is actually in that movie. They're so bringing it back to uh, Dirty Dance. Uh, to <laughs> yeah. Ben Gazar is in that movie along with James Mason. Uh, it's another good one. Uh, definitely not as good as uh, Wait Until Dark, but Bloodline from '79. It was kind of her her swan song with doing thrillers, but um, you know it, it's worth a watch if you could find it. It's I I appreciate Audrey Hepburn. I know Monkey said you don't like her. I always have had a soft spot for Audrey Hepburn because she's just America's sweetheart. Like she's just, you know, very sweet and very soft-spoken. To, so to see her in a thriller where she has to fight for her life, like, I just, I, I'm a huge fan of it. But enough about my pick. I thought Next Ariana Grande was uh, America's sweetheart. <laughs> well, now, yeah. because uh, Audrey Hepburn's been dead for a number of years. Oh, but it's, that's right. It's my pick next week, right? That's yeah. right. What do you got for us, Monkey? Okay. Well, I've talked to the Dean, and the Dean is definitely on board, because apparently I am not known for picking horror movies on this horror-related podcast. So You're not. We're gonna, no. Yeah, so we're going to just sit there and stay typecast, and we're going to go horror-adjacent once again. And... <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait! I got no. We're we're, we're going horror adjacent. I'm gonna. Hey, I've I've done it. We're gonna stick with it. So next week, we're going back to the '80s and we're covering Teen Wolf. Oh hell okay. yeah! Okay, right. that's awesome. Right. I love hey, it. I fucking love it. <laughs> Dude, good cho- I haven't seen it in years. So good choice, man. I have not right, seen cool. Teen Wolf in fucking ages. So great choice. <laughs> Good. Get ready, for, get ready for a get ready for a love fest next week. Is what you know. What you should have went. <laughs> you should have went controversial. You should have went with Teen Wolf two. No, Ooh, no, the no. Bateman version. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, no. It, yeah, it's going to be a fucking suck fest next week with all the love that we're going to give to this movie. <laughs> I can't wait. Teen Wolf? Hell yeah! I haven't seen this movie in years. I mean, I, yeah, I haven't seen Team Wolf 2 in years either, so there you go. Put that in your bank for your next pick. Team Wolf 2. Jason <laughs> Bateman. Right. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> All right, Monkey. Sign yourself off.
All right. Well, this is the monkey saying thanks for listening to tonight's episode of Talking Terror. Good night, everybody. Mwah. Mwah. All right. All right. And go ahead, Ghoul. Why don't you sign yourself off? Hey, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Again, love your families. Have a safe holiday. Don't drive drunk. Get an Uber if you need. And uh, just, uh, yeah, again, appreciate appreciate what we still have here uh, while we have it. So stay scared, everybody, and then have a great night. No, couldn't agree more, Ghoul. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Be thankful for what you have. Be thankful for the people that you're in your life. Make sure you tell those in your life that you love them every day. It doesn't matter what day of the week it is. Just tell them that you love them. And just have a great holiday. We'll be back here next week with Team Wolf, the monkey's pick. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, saying, Hail Satan, hail yourselves, hail Odorous. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you next time, folks. <laughs>